Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Carrying Through the Matrix on the 3rd of May 2020. And I hope you're all hanging in there, not hanging yourselves at the stage of the games you're all cooped up in your homes by order of our new Führers, of course, the cabal who runs the planet because it's astonishing when you go into the basic stuff, the very basic stuff, of course, which I've done for years and years and years, which leads you to the advanced stuff, because it's just a hub. The system is basically a hub in the middle, and uh, you find the big organizations in the, the same groups, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, CFR groups across the whole planet, and then you had the circles within circles that quickly talked about too, and the, and the, and the co-mingling circles of specialized departments like the Club of Rome and the World Economic Forum, another group that set itself up uh, under private, uh, uh, public-private partnerships, they call themselves. Really interesting to go into, and I've done, I've done talks on them for, over, the diff- over the years, I actually I do occasional talks on the WEF. And they have their meetings every year until you get used to hearing it, if you listen to news at all. And you say, well, that's just them doing their thing. And they, they seem normal because they exist there and you've heard them so often. But don't forget that none of these groups we're talking about their own lives were elected by any of us. From the United Nations, which was also set up by the Royal Institute for International Affairs, because they set up the, the precursor of the League of Nations, and they set up the World Bank, the Bank for International Settlements, all private institutions, which we also pay into and support, and uh, uh, the IMF, all the same, all run by the same private group at the top. And their idea was to bring in a planned society. Uh, it's, it's been honest to me to even talk about it, because I've done so many talks over many years on these things and given the histories of them too and the characters involved at the top. But to, but now you're, you're seeing them all come out in a, in a, in a unified thrust. It's like a, it's like a front, you call it a front in the military, and you put on a unified front to your enemies, the enemies being the people of the planet, because you now are under total attack and, and ordered to sub, you've been ordered to submit to them completely. That's what it's really about, under the guise of um, saving you, uh, even from yourselves, because you're consumers, you see. There's too many of you consuming uh, the produce of their planet, you know, the ones who decided that they, they own it, the, the better genetic types. It goes way, way back, the whole idea, and it's monotonous to me to even talk about it, as I say, but uh, even before Charles Darwin. And we had Malthus as well, of course, Thomas Malthus, and and he was one of the first ones. He's an economist originally for for England, for the for the really the the, the Bank of, of England uh, that ran uh, really ran the whole of Britain and the Empire, in fact, for a long time. It was set up to do that by people who came in as merchant bankers. Then Britain they still have merchant banks. I think Barclays is still called a merchant bank. And the city of London it was the, the big territory for them. Four main banks is set up alongside their, their version of Cleopatra's Needle. They always do that. but And they have sovereignty. It is true they have sovereignty, just like Rome itself has sovereignty. And Rome also has another one that they brought from Egypt as well. And St. Peter's Square. But you also have one too in Paris. And there's other ones across the world folk don't know about. You're living through a very old agenda. And Thomas Malthus, of course, also saw himself as, a, as the budding scientist. 
And since enlightenment, of course, that was the idea that science would gradually take over and logic and rationality would take over. And eventually they, they, they formed different uh, uh, sciences, or they like to call them sciences, or doctrines, actually initially were doctrines, and then sciences. Uh, they really rule the world. And they had so many problems ruling the world before, because under democracy, too lot of people... To, to, to really fight and demand democracy, in fact. Uh, people don't realize that most folk in World War I, you, you always hear the, the suffragettes uh, before it even started demanding the right to vote. Well, these were well-off middle-class women. And many of them, by the way, uh, were very rich, uh, the suffragette ones that you know about. And they also were members of the Communist Party, uh, they or their families were into the banking industries, most of them, and some of them even went over and lived in Russia after they blew up a few bombs in Britain, and they did build bombs. So, but at, at that time too, there was a, you know, males had all the rights, etc. No, males did not. In fact, in 1917, there was another push before the war finished, as they tried to get more and more what was left of the of the undamaged males in Britain to join up. They promised them then to give them. Uh, more of them the right to vote. Before that, you couldn't vote unless you owned property, and a certain amount of property at that, too. So, uh, no, the, 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 much of the, the public had uh, less rights than the, the suffragettes ended up getting, in fact. And, and that's how history is muddied. It's always muddied by special interest groups, of course. But people fought to get rights and, and democratic rights, and not to be a peon or, or, a, or a villain, as they were often called in the Middle Ages. Uh, and eventually they softened it to just peasants, and then just to rural folk, and then just to farming people. And uh, the most important folk in the land are the ones that feed you. If you don't understand that, you're rather silly, because it's vital to have food, as you're noticing now, I'm sure, as you line up in your Sovietized type systems for food. That's what you see in Britain when they when they telegraph people stuff from 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 the Soviet Union during the shortages, etc. And you would see folk lining up for hours, just like they did in Britain during World War Two. But they were doing it afterwards in the sixties and seventies, occasionally in different parts of the Soviet Union. And now we're doing it again, of course, because the same characters who gave you the experiments for for Germany is well documented by the historians for the Council on Foreign Relations that they studied Germany intensely because Germany was an experiment in social engineering and managing the public for obedience and having them cooperate in a kind of collectivist fashion. Very important if you want to rule the world. And they'd already studied, according to Carl Quigley, they'd already studied, and he's all for this, by the way, they studied the Soviet system from the beginnings, and they helped fund them too, naturally. Uh, and they, they really started them into it because, they, once again, it was a big experiment in conformity and trying to get the people to be all on board with it and then and then in massive, intense indoctrination for the school children. And it really worked so, so well for a, a certain amount of time at least. But so anyway, what you're living through is a, a repetition of the different parts, the things that they learn, those who rule the world. And there are rulers of this world. Uh, and they, they boast about it today that they own this and they own that and they own your food supplies. I, I used to give talks years ago, the 90s and early 2000 about this too, that you had about five food corporations, cartels that run the world. 
and uh, went through their histories and what they were up to and so on and, and how they combined together for the NAFTA agreements for Latin America and they wanted to eventually produce really all the food for the Americas and other countries too and export using modified GM, uh, genetically modified uh, organism uh, type uh, grain, etc. And export it to the world and then they tied in their uh, chemical industry with them to, do, to produce the pesticides and herbicides. And then they put in the killer genes, of course, and you know all the groups about that, who did all that, etc. It's old hat to, to some of us anyway. It's all been done pretty well. But we're going around in circles and circles and circles as they implement all the things that worked before. Getting back to Plato, Plato said that, uh, that if you know the formula that made people adapt into a system, a new type of system of conformity, even to their own deprivation, uh, then uh, in rationing uh, it might be as an example. But he said that uh, you must know how the sequence of how it was instituted in the first place, uh, and step one, two, three, four, etc. And if you if you understand that formula, it doesn't matter what age or era you live in, you can implement it again, and people will, will, will respond accordingly. So here we go again. You always have fear and terror, of course. That's that's so primal to get that across. I listened to a, a little, an old disc actually by Bill Cooper, an old talk he gave in the nineties, and he. Of course, was killed, assassinated, half in two by machine gun bullets, trying to get into his own home as he was running away with one leg. Of course, he had one leg. Their one was artificial. That was the excuse they gave. They sent an assassination squad up to kill him, and they did it. And uh, they halved him in two pretty well with machine gun bullets. But this guy went through the formula, uh, how they would take over. Any, any totalitarian organization, how they would take over uh, the country and the world. And he said the first thing is you, you create a terrible, terrible fear of immediate annihilation. That's the first step. Then you take it from there, step one, two, three, four, obey, obey, conform, conform. Uh, you, you have your snitch programs, because it was all tested out in the Soviet Union. Every every street had snitches paid to, to snitch and, and, and inform on everybody in the street. Every every place of, of work had someone paid to, to snitch on people. It was everywhere. And the Stasis, of course, were uh, even more excellent at, at, at the job in East Germany uh, than apparently the Soviet system. But we're seeing it all uh, it played out exactly the same way. You know, you know the formula, as Plato said, introduce it, and, and it's all been set to go. What got me with this one was the amazing work that had gone into preparing us for this present uh, pandemic, as they call it. I can remember doing the talks years ago, years ago, when the previous ones came out, the previous pandemics, as they call it, came out, and the SARS one came out in 2003. And then we had other ones too in 2009 and 10. And each, each time it came out, they immediately went into, into the same organizations, the CDC and the WHO and so on, for what to do. And, and once again, they throw millions and billions of all these different big pharma companies and, 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 and vaccine companies for, uh, to try and get a vaccines for everything. Every time they try to do it. But there's so much data so much data on, on the incredible consequences 
of these vaccines that they came out with at the time, that they had to just flop them. They literally ditched them. Millions of dollars worth of vaccines were ditched because they were so unpredictable with the effects that they had with people and children dying and adults dying at times too. Lots of people, even with the swine flu one initially, and the old swine flu one too from 1970s, uh, a complete fake uh, pandemic. Uh, one guy got sick in the military and uh, after getting jabs and he got sick and he collapsed. What they didn't tell you at the time was that they had him marching. He'd, been, he'd, he'd gone about 40 hours without sleep. They had him running in hot, a hot day uh, and uh, then he collapsed and then he put it down to a, to a swine flu. Complete fake and out of that was a, the first big kind of almost almost a lockdown as it went to hysteria mode of how they'd have to um, vaccinate the entire population. Uh, complete phony uh, thing altogether, just astonishing. But they've never given up by it because, understand, you are in an age of what they call technocratic rule. And technocrats and experts and, and those in academia are supposed to rule us and take over from the old versions that used to uh, really organize our lives, like religion and family units and things like that. And now you have the new ones coming over on behalf of the masters at the top. This is not made up by me. People like Julian Huxley explained it. He was one of them, and he was a member too, founding member of Planned, Planned Parenthood with Margaret Sanger, depopulate, unfit, unhealthy, etc. The same thing that Hitler was accused of doing, because he and he himself said the same thing. They got all the ideas uh, from watching Britain and the eugenics movement in Britain. It all came out from Darwinism. And, he, and, and also he got it from the U.S., the Rockefeller Foundation in uh, Cold Spring Harbor. Uh, laboratory, massive thing to do with uh, with trying to create uh, superior humans, etc. And uh, and even they even brought in the the, the American Cattle Ranchers Association because they were experts in breeding cattle. They brought them on board to see if they could find ways of breeding better people. And the the big feed, of course, was too many of the unfit were breeding. And they would eventually take down uh, the, the superior class. That's never changed for those who haven't quite figured it out yet. And so if, you're not, if you don't belong to the superior class, you should be really, really worried right now. You really should be. And I really mean that. Because the whole idea of that happening never went away. It's, it's probably hotter now than ever before. Because the Club of Rome, that, that was their big mandate too. They simply took up Thomas Malthus. His, his ideas and grab these old, old graphs that you would out-breed out, out, uh, uh, yourselves according to the food supply and all the rest of it and put it on steroids with better graphs. You know, you're all going to end up, look at this, look at these spikes in these graphs. Oh, you're going to look at this, my God, you're, you're all be, by the year, by the year 2000, you'll all be standing on each other's heads. You know, that was their idea. Terror, terror, fear, fear, fear. But the Club of Rome is just one uh, special operating branch of the WEF and the big group above it, in fact, runs the whole show. The WEF, again, getting back to them, is the World Economic Forum. And they, they don't just meet every year like they announce on television. They have a massive, massive think tank workshops, and they're really a, a supranational governmental authority. 
in every every respect with thousands and thousands and thousands of employees and specialists all working to, to manage their world. And they even bring in people, your own politicians at times, through, again, extra governmental agencies that they create out of thin air without your approval. And then they, they just rubber, the government's here rubber stamping uh, all these different uh, demands put out there to, to be put into law over us by these big foundations and organizations. We used to call, and this is the, the, the difference to children today have no idea what communism is. They think it's a good idea. They, they've been brainwashed in school by the communists, uh, the communist academics who are awfully well paid to do so. And each thing I'm mentioning so casually is a whole a whole history by itself, even that little bit I just said there. How did those people in academia get there in the first place and who put them there and what, you know, what kind of salaries they got and the annual meetings they had to make sure that they were indoctrinating the children properly and social engineering. And so that what you have 20 years later is the infighting between different groups that they were created inside the universities. Those people grow up and have children of their own. And then you, bring, then you see the chaos being formed out in front of you as the parents think it's their own ideas that they're putting across and bringing into being. But they've all been indoctrinated into them. And they have no, it really works awfully well. The beauty of brainwashing, real true brainwashing, is that those who are brainwashed don't know it. That, that's really successful brainwashing. Uh, that came out even with uh, FDR's wife. Went over to, to see uh, the Russians, you know, at the end of World War II. Uh, and just before it ended, actually. But, um, and then afterwards. And she wrote about it, that she eventually got to meet her hero, Pavlov. You know, the, the great Pavlov, uh, who who came out with conditioned responses and so on, and animals, and tortured all kinds of animals. But he also used it on humans, for those who don't know that. So it wasn't just animals he was playing with. They had lots of humans to practice on because they were counter-revolutionaries. If you had any idea, any exclamation out your mouth at all, uh, they didn't like the right system, then they grabbed you as a criminal and a counter-revolutionary. You had no rights then, you see. A normal prisoner, of a thief, would have some right. You wouldn't have any rights under kind of War Measures Acts and so on. And, and obviously you were mentally ill too, because if you complain about the Soviet Union, this utopia, you obviously were mentally ill. There was the best system in the world, and that literally was an illness. So this has all been done before. But, but um, Pavlov, literally, uh, all his techniques were put into teaching these children in school that they're now using in the West today. You know, that involved the, the type of group teaching, group think, where, you, where they all sit in a group and the teacher has their toolkits and she knows how to put it across any topic and subject and then get their opinions on it and have them all voting collectively together in, in unison. Anyone who doesn't is, is really shunned. Or, well, there's something wrong with you. Why don't you want to be part of the group? That, do you think it's proper, this decision we've made on whatever, whatever social aspect that they're being brainwashed into? And that's, that all came from the early days in, with Pavlov as an example. And it's used here now. Conformity, you see, conformity. And Eleanor Roosevelt was just over the moon with this guy and the work that he'd done. He's the same guy. He just, as I say, he, he, he would have dogs literally breaking up and cracking up 
with neurosis and living in utter terror, totally destroyed psyches and the animals. And and they, they were it didn't end there. They they went even further. I, I wouldn't even. I used to. I still have the documentaries that were put out for the West to see how wonderful the Soviet Union was, but nineteen late twenties. And they showed you uh, dogs' heads that had been cut off, literally. And they had literally put up artificial hearts to pump blood through the, the arteries and bring them back through the veins and so on. And, uh, yeah, the, the, this, wasn't it wonderful? Here's this dog's eyes opening again, isn't it? It's been stimulated, given little shocks and all the rest of it. And uh, this is where science goes, you understand, when you break the, any taboo of, of human... Humans, like like Julian Huxley said, humans standing on the pedestal, thinking they're so superior above everything. We have to knock them off that pedestal. He says, "Well, you destroy the family unit, you destroy religion, and there's nothing left but cold, hard science. And science is completely politicized in all ages. You can't have it any other way. It's corrupt and politicized, and um, and you end up with horror because then there's no real." Well, there's no firewalls at all, is there, to stop you coming through and just killing who they want to kill or destroy or aborting or, and even killing after birth, etc. It's all in the, out in the open today, and it never stops there. Whatever is pushed, well, let's just start with, um, with uh, early, early abortions, basically. And, and then, then you, you push it and push it. And then you go on. Oh, you know, the elderly are taking up space here. And, and they've paid all this money into insurance all their lives. Why let them collect? Why not do, just kill them off? Persuade them to die. And take this, this, this injection or this pill or whatever, whatever this is the cheapest for them. And, and you can keep that money and use it in other projects, you see. Because everyone alive and underneath, the, you know, the all-seeing eye at the very top there, and that little capstone that's floating above all of you, it's not quite attached to you. It's always floating above you. That's the idea of it. You see, it's much, it's way superior. It's not huge. It's just, it's not base like you are. The, the, the bottom part is called the base for a reason. You see, that's what you are. It floats above you, and you have to have a useful function to them. You see, you're utilitarian. And if you don't have that, then you're, you're just a burden to them. And even if you're not really a burden in such a sense, you're still consuming the world's goods and, and the world's produce and food and so on. And, and even the space that you take up, you see, they, they, they feel disgusted at you for even using that space. It's theirs, you understand. And they have this vision at the top, all the biggies that they brought out. They're all front people, mind you. But there's people even above them that you'll never even hear of that are even far, far richer. But you know the ones I'm talking about? They're all made into kind of superstars with, with, with repetitive exposés of how brainy they are and how clever they are and all that and rubbish. You see, they're front people, folks, because their whole thing is, is, is really to manage systems under, under a, a singular type of control, a small type of control. Systems is what it is, you see. And so they give you one just for the internet, one for the for Facebook, and one for this, and one for that. You see, and and it's much easier if they say, "Well, it's it's mine, it's my business. I'll do what I want with it." Whereas if it's really, uh, which they are, public-private corporations, and because it takes so much money from the public, even their startup money, uh, then um, they'd have to have public input to it. So you you must disguise it uh, as just be being owned by a singular person. 
and it's theirs, and it's their, their, their business, yada, yada, yada. The CIA created most of these big organizations, for those who don't know it. The CIA is not what you think it is either. Never was. Never was never intended to be what you thought it was. Every country that's used, going way back, even to the British Empire, it was run by a clique of people who can move. They can move around the world and take their wealth with them. That's what happened in, in the Middle Ages and before that even in ancient Rome. Uh, they can move out with their cash and everything else and their systems of controlling it all. And once they've gone, it collapses behind them, you see. And bingo, you, 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 there's never really a, the same nature of abhors and power, abhors a vacuum. And sure enough, as, as soon as it moves, uh, you, you just see some, some other uh, group just starting up somewhere else, just spontaneously with the same system and the same money and the same techniques of ruling and, and getting folk in the organized regular armies and then using it to con- for conquest. Same thing over and over again. That didn't happen by itself. doesn't happen by itself. Not at all. And here you are today with the same thing. So you have the CIA and MI6 and so on. And MI6 really was a, a technique of destabilizing countries the same way in order for the, for the banking elite in Britain, the fraternity, uh, to rule the, the world. The same merchant banking fraternities hasn't changed today, still the same. And, and a bunch of them too also came to America and did the same thing there. It's not miraculous, it's not really hidden anymore. And it's definitely traceable, you know. But they don't see you, even the CIA. Forget all the propaganda movies, you see. The CIA wasn't started up to defend America. It was, it was there to defend and, and really destroy the enemies of their system, the ones who ruled America, the moneyed group, and to take over parts of the world, and even bring in a world-type system. And once they did that, they'd shed the U.S., as they'd shed countries before them. Uh, and that's what they've been doing for ever since. That's why do you think? Why do you think <laughs> this big again? This is called this big all seeing eye that floats above the light, you know, in between the you, the base, you're the base, and 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 themselves. And it's a blinding light, so you're not supposed to see who's there. You see, that's the idea behind it. It's all symbology. You don't realize that that. You're trained down below in the base only to see your side of the base. If you're on, a corner, if you're on a one side of it, it's four square, right? Except for the bottom, it's really five. And if the tap cap's gone, it's actually six. But regardless, if, regardless of what side or part you're on, you only see your part of it. And that's what you're supposed to see. That's your degree type system, for those who don't know. And on the dollar bill, of course, you see all this this wasteland down below, uh, like sparse grass growing up. Again, that's the real stragglers down below. That they don't even get a function inside the base. They're they're the the kind of um, the fallout you might say that you'd see in the brave new world. Once you let the savages, you see, the weeds, the ones that are just useless, and that's the general population. <laughs> that's what they claim it is. Anyway. The ones in the base are all there for a function to keep the system going. But we're, we're living in it. And you look at the ones at the top, uh, how they all work together in unison. You go into the World Economic Forum and every organization you know is part of it. Everyone, you know, the, the World Bank is there, of course. 
and the IMF, the Bank for International Settlements, that decides the value of any particular day of the currency of any particular country. And uh, privately owned, again, all by, it's a small club that owns all the banks for the world. And they're privately owned. Going way back into Lord Alfred Milner's day, they set up the, the beginnings of that system based on the, the British Empire system of the Bank of England, along with the, the private banks and that they had then too. So, as I say, they use your country for its tax base, for the taxes they can pay for their, for the, for the wars. Uh, they can pay for, for the equipment and pay to get your, an army together. You pay for everything yourself. And you fight their battles for them and you do their conquests for them. And they, they take over the resources for themselves. And uh, I'll give you an example of what happened even in the last bank crash, if you remember. A whole bunch of the, the car companies were bailed out. I think it was at Ford or was it Ford or it was one of them, big one. They was given a big bailout and then immediately closed down, went off to, to start building up another company in Russia at the time. There was a stink broke out about it and they pulled a bit of it back. But this is the kind of thing. That, you understand, it's the same with the group that rule the world. Uh, they use countries and they'll, 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 once you're, you're dried out and they've sucked you dry, they'll just ditch you. They already set up their other big banking institution in the Far East quite a few years back with the massive towers and everything. So it's a, it's an ongoing process. It's only when you, you are born and raised in a particular area that you feel you belong to something. Very important thing. You take, it's, it's a natural thing to feel you belong. And if you've, the older the country and the older your ancestry, the more you'll feel it. I think it's partly a genetic thing too. Carl Jung used to talk about a kind of genetic type memory. But if you look at Scotland or Ireland, I mean, if they sing a song about leaving the country, they're already crying with it before, before they've even taken a step into a plane or anything. It's that, it's that intense with them. And they feel it. There's a, a strange connection there with the hills and everything else. It's just, even if you knew none of your history, you still feel it. It's, it's very real. And that's why folk in countries across the world want to hang on to their country, even the, the lowliest of the people of their, any country. And they, they fight to defend it. And of course, if you fight to defend your country, you're, you're generally defeated by a superior, a financially superior country and a better equipped military than, than if you don't have one of your own, you're done for. Because the greed factor never changes. Is covered and smoothed over with all these uh, pre- the pretenses of uh, charitable organizations and, and governments throwing aid out, which isn't aid at all. It's pure blackmail. You do this or else, or you don't get fed. You know, it's, that's how things really work in our system. But we've never lived in such an age of deception as we do today. We're trained into deception. I used to give talks about what the military is. And the military are guys in a peacetime army. Uh, if you're not called up, you see, and your country isn't under attack, you're, you're basically a mercenary, you see. And yeah, there are special active groups that are sent abroad to do certain things too. And at one time during the Cold War, it seemed more, more uh, 
okay to do so such things because all co- the countries involved, it was only two sides at that time. We didn't get the whole picture at all, naturally, of what was behind it. We didn't even know that uh, at the very top, uh, the same group that ruled our own countries, was had actually helped create and finance the Soviet Union from its, from its birth. And right through it until the end, in fact, we fed them. But at the time, people didn't know that, and so they were sent off to do certain missions and so on. But most folk, as I say, in a standing, a standing army are superfluous unless you use them, because it costs money and to keep them equipped and, and, and prepared in readiness. And so the temptation is always there for the elite of the country to end up using them for, for their own escapades to take resources across the world. And that's exactly what's been happening for since World War II, really, especially with the, with the U.S. Britain was too broke to do it. They'd already spent about two centuries building up an empire on behalf of a small elite. And, uh, of course, the public were left devastated. The country's never really, really... I, I used to wonder, do you realize how far advanced we'd be if you had a real system in a real world, how far you'd be financially, uh, health-wise, all the, other, all the other real scientists to help improve your lot, you know, and food and all the rest of it, and healthier way of living. Do you realize how far we could be? But we've kept back with the massive debts from world wars, as an example. Massive. Never, you can't really pay them off. It might take 100, 150 years for each one because it's compound interest. But the companies and the corporations that profit, they, they pay perhaps nothing at all, generally. They don't even pay taxes. And uh, their excuse is always, well, if you come after us for taxes, we'll just lay off people and they've no work for them. And that's, well, supposedly that's good enough for government. But you know they're all in it together. So we're living in a system today of uh, post-industrial, post-consumerism almost, if they've said themselves. And the Club of Rome was one, wants to take you backwards uh, along with all the other... See, all the organizations, when you read their, their manifestos, and they have actual manifestos, just like communist manifestos, they call them that. And you see what their agendas and manifestos are, and they're all pretty well identical. Oh, global warming is going to kill us. Only a drop that's climate change now. Before that, was it was going to be freezing. The world's going to freeze into a, a big ice ball. Again, because of mankind. And then it was mankind's the problem. So you get global warming. So once again, you're the problem. You can't win, you understand. And so they want depopulation. Too many of you, the eugenics program. And now they must convince you to accept it. And as I'm getting back to what I said about religion before in previous talks, religion was one of the, the, the big firewalls stopped them coming through to just grab you and kill you, you know, because you had rights that they couldn't intrude upon. You could fight them back. They, if they used their own terminology of science, well, what, what good are you anyway, you know? He said, well, God thinks I'm, I'm, I'm important, I'm special, etc. Life is, is sacred, yada, yada. You had something to argue back with. And collectively, there's more of you that could actually stand up together and use that. When you've ditched that by the wayside, what are you going to use? You're going to start fighting them back with logic. It's going to be their sciences with their terminology. Whoever creates the terminology creates the, 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 the direction of the dialogue is going to take and the, and the speech is going to take. 
and the conversation is going to take, or the argument is going to take. You see what's here? You already understand what's going on here. This has been well prepared, and it's no, it's not coincidence. It's taken them over a hundred years, really, since they really started this step of the phase to implement the totalitarian style of it. George Bernard Shaw talked about this in the early 20th century, what I'm talking about now. A rule, rule by experts and scientists would, would be the way to go. And that's what they wanted then, man and superman. If you couldn't fix a car, if you, know, if you could understand the coming mechanization of society, you, then you're useless, you see. And here, it took me 100 years, just over 100 years, to get to this stage where the people eradicated religion. Almost eradicated it altogether. And especially for the native populations. That's interesting too. I'm talking about Europe, you know, because they're the main target for this. However, the, the, the mass migration that's been taking place across Europe and then sped up because of all the wars. The, which they knew would happen, the blowback and the mass migration. And they encouraged the mass migration into Europe too, as you well know. It's no secret. There's even organizations out there boasting about it, how they helped do it, working together. And, but the thing is, the people in, those, in the Muslim communities, for instance, will probably be safer from all of this than the rest of the atheistic populations because they'll still band together when it comes to saying no, <laughs> do you realize that's going to happen? It's quite fascinating to watch it all. And those people who can band together collectively like that and say no to authoritarian tyranny uh, will survive in the long run much better. They'll fare much better than those who are going to do what they're told and become a pincushion for science and for agendas which you best at times not even look into because there's so much has been spoken about and written about it by those involved over the years. In the 20th century, they've said Bertrand Russell was quite open about it. He said we need a kind of bubonic plague or a, a black death every, every, couple of, every generation or two, he said, to help wipe out the surplus, meaning the, the useless eaters, as the, he and others called it too. And he also said by means of diet, they would, they would alter the diet for the people, because diet's been used by the British Empire at one time. They, they knew how much to f protein to feed uh, plantations. Uh, it was a science again. <laughs> uh, it took them a long time and a lot of deaths to find out how much you could just give people in a, almost a starvation diet, but keep them moving and working and lifting so they weren't too weak to do so, but weak enough that they couldn't think clearly or straight. And that, that was a perfect science. I used to give talks on that a long, long time ago from history. And they can bring it back again the same way. But he also said by means of diet, he's talking about for a modern population, injection, meaning vaccines and so on, and injunction, you see, by laws and rules, regulations. He said they, they could achieve their goals by, by managing and, and dominating all the lower classes, all the, the general population, actually. So it's so it never went out. You could got to understand the war never stops. It never stops. The one thing about the U.S. Constitution and so on, 
and the founders. And you, you, there's a lot of question marks about Mayhem too, of course, you know. But don't forget that they did say that eternal vigilance, eternal vigilance was necessary for you to keep your freedom, eternal. And it's true, I think somebody else said, uh, that, that the groups or the people who are evil and who plan and scheme in combinations, meaning groups and cartels and organizing, they never, they never sleep with their, with their plans. They don't stop. They're always on the go and planning and, and expanding and creating more groups and combining themselves with each other until the average person, if they look around them in their world, they'll say, my God, there's, there's thousands of these organizations out there and you think they're all independent. They're not independent. This is, this is literally, as I, as I say, it's, um, it's a spider's web with nodes on it, basically. They're all connected, and many of them are, are, are one foundation can, can create another 500 think tanks quite easily, and a thousand non-governmental organizations, and fund lots, of, lots more themselves. But the average person here, oh, this is the Institute for So-and-So, or the National Institute for So-and-So, or the National whatever, and you think, that's, that's well, it's, it sounds very official. These are private organizations that rule your lives. And the really since with the 1970s and 80s, when they really got going with the Club of Rome and the World Economic Forum, they all kind of popped out around the same time. It was, that was no coincidence either in the 1970s. You've really seen the big changes in the world and the growing demands that agencies, supranational agencies, uh, work with government. Well, you had no say in that happening. When, you understand, this is what, you're now in a completely new, under a new system of governance. And most of it is unelected. And the, most of it is private. We used to call public-private partnerships, as, as King Prince Charles came out with it. He was one of the fronts to help promote it in a speech years ago. Uh, we used to call it fascism, where big corporations and governments work together against the general public uh, for their own particular good against the public. And that's what fascism is supposed to be. And it's, that, that was the earliest and, and more, more staid definition of it. And the public could interfere with the big, big businesses and so on. And government would make sure that happened that way. Uh, but now we give it a different name, and, uh, and folk can't connect to. Oh, well, it's, it's a public-private part. No, it's fascism, folks. That's what public. That's what that's what fascism is. And, and so all, the WEF and all these groups, you see, are fascists. And getting back to uh, Professor Carl Quigley, who was quite open about it, being the historian as well, as well as the, the, the tutor, etc who trained countless uh, bureaucrats to go across the planet on behalf of the U.S. diplomatic corps, etc., and, uh, and the State Department. Uh, he was an elitist, and he had no, made no qualms about it. And he, he also, like the Club of Rome, like all of them, thought democracy was a joke and, and, and useless and just gets in the way of things. If folk have rights, you can't get things done. Because folk complain and object, and then they might, you might get stalled or put off or even cancelled. But if you do, if you had a real technocratic society, the experts would just get on with it and make the folk accept it by force if necessary. You see, that's what 
technocracy will use, along with um, putting you all down to energy units as consumers, and, and you give off other energies and carbon dioxide, you're going to pay for it. That's all technocracy. But the technocrats, as I say, are the actual supposed experts that get sent in to just make things work without having to answer to the public. And again, it works awfully well with, with fascism. It is part of fascism. All governments during wartime are fascistic, as they call it, because they appoint, if you go into your histories, Britain appointed a minister, literally a big businessman, who was in charge of all economics, really, for, for industry. Canada did the same thing, and that's how they do it. Like a, a major domo is just appointed, and what he demands, he gets very quickly, and, and nothing stands in the way. No regulations, rules, or constitutions, or anything else. That's how it's done, and that's why they, they declared that this pandemic, uh, a war, or a war against a virus, you see. And they use the, the, that terminology, and frontline workers, you see. Like, a, or like a, this, the troops at the front in the trenches, you see. The only difference is they didn't dance around in the trenches. And I saw there was bullets chasing their feet. So we're living through amazing times with the same organization way ahead that, that, that it's ever been before. Because in the previous pandemics, when they went through the same kind of scenarios, oh, you're all going to die, it's going to kill millions, yada, yada, yada. And they had all these approved... Um, through their communist type, the totalitarian, they work very well together, remember, the communists, with, with fascism. Because they believe in the same agenda, really. And that's what Quigley said himself. He says, we're often mistaken for communists because we have the same agenda. Uh, and that's what he said in his own book. And so they get things redone really fast and quick and terrify you. And I, they own all the media, the cartels or the fascists. And the same media, as I've said before, that was totally ignored for years. It was so bad uh, that the regular ones that used to have some news in it and so on. Uh, and it's true, the decline since electronic journalism came in and nobody went to actually visit uh, and get stories anymore. Uh, then you end up with electronic journalism and, uh, and it got worse and worse until we, we got entertainment as news day in, day out. Uh, that's, that's supposedly news. And this this phenomenon of stardom, where people who used to be looked down upon as rather unworthy, who worked in show business, <laughs> uh, suddenly became stars. You meet many stars. You know what's so and so feeling today, and you know yada yada yada. And that's given that. So that became a substitute for news, and what other news they put in their newspapers are literally handouts from organizations and big corporations and so on. Again, back to, 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 to the, the corporations and the, the World Economic Forum, and I have given stacks of talks on that too over many years because the Quigley himself, Professor Carl Quigley, who was the, and it's, I see it, so when you say things rather easily, people miss it. Uh, they, they, they want, they're being brought up, you see, again, you don't realize you've been brainwashed with TV and drama and movies. And there should be music on bum, 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 and all that kind of thing, you see, to make it really horrific and get their blood going, your blood pressure up, your heart beating and pounding. And, and, and you've been trained that way, I'm not kidding you. And, and so you could hear that the most horrible things said today without the music and without the flashing lights or, or menacing figures. And it does, you won't comprehend what it was. You, you just dismiss what's being said. 
But Carl quickly went, went through it all, the whole agenda of where they want to take the world. And as I say, he said he agreed with it. And he said the world is being set up. This is in Tragedy and Hope, his book. It says to be a new feudal system. I gave the talks on this years ago, over and over. A new feudal system, he said. Kind of like the Middle Ages, you see. And it was not democratic. And he said that the new feudal overlords will be the CEOs of international corporations, big corporations. And that's what you've got. Now, he didn't make it up. And he worked for the, for the biggest group behind all of this. They were called the establishment at the time. And uh, they're not really the elite rulers, but they, they rule on behalf of the rulers, put it that way. And that's the Council on Foreign Relations. And it's another specialized branch that comes out of them is the Trilateral Group, the Trilateral Commission, they call themselves, who get in to get the job done when democracy stands in the way. So yeah, he said that that's going to be the new feudal system. Well, you're in it. You're actually in it, folks. And, uh, and it's going to the next step now of making you simply comply and the last few pandemics, they fell flat in their face, they got exposed. And even the regular media had to admit it eventually, but they tried to save some credibility. And they, they joined in on the act of pointing out the facts that have been, that always come out from the conspiracy theorists first, because they're the only guys who are giving you any truth. Uh, same thing happened this time too, of course, with, uh, with um, People seeing what was going to happen, and eventually, the, the, when the media, like, a button was pressed for some big top conference, and the, the barons told their staff, Get on, get going with this thing, terrify the public. And they terrified them better than any conspiracy theorists could have ever done. Because the first thing you must do is get terrify the people into total panic mode, like Bill Cooper said. That's the first thing. And and they start to they immediately come out, like 9 11, same thing. The man in the street and the woman in the streets asked, when, in every country, the selected ones naturally, probably all planted there for television. Would you give up, give up your freedom for security? And they had polls on it. It was, in, it was so monotonous. You heard it everywhere. You, everywhere you, every radio, every TV station at the time. Yada, yada, yada. A newspaper. Would you give up your freedoms for security? And the same thing happens again. It's always the same thing. And you must acquiesce to it, you see. And, and that's, that's really silence. It's giving permission, you're acquiescing, you see. Your silence alone, or just your compliance. That's, that's a legal thing, you see. And it won't stop, it never stops. So yeah, yeah, for the first time in history, they managed, they managed to, to terrify them so well this time. They gave a 10-year gap from the last time. I wonder about that, too. Uh, I've said it before, <laughs> like last week, too, I think I mentioned World War One to World War Two. They gave about a 20-year just to raise another crop of people, another naive bunch of guys, you know, to go off for World War Two, but twenty-year gap. Uh, fresh, didn't know the, the the history of the first one and the way they went again. And that's what they do. Well, the pandemic, the, the fake pandemic, two thousand and nine, ten, and so they give you really uh, a ten-year gap because it fell so badly on its face and did a lot of damage uh, that. You give a 10-year period, put out stacks of movies, 
about COVID and, or, or whatever, and and show them these these all these these outside inflatable tents and so on, and and people in hazmat suits and make it entertaining, but terrify them in the movies, stacks of them in a ten year period, and then they come out supposedly with the real thing, and this time they they went right on board with it. It didn't matter what what newspaper you'd look at or or news site you looked at; they're all the same. Now, in a truly free society, you would have a few, and if they're all different, independent in news sites, newspapers, sometimes the so-called established ones, the ones owned by the big media barns, you know, official media barns and conglomerates, you have had a lot of difference in stories and opinions and views on it, obviously. And it didn't happen. They're all the same, identical. And it's gone that way to the present. And then they came in with the war, propaganda, frontline troops. And then you see choreographed nurses, or if they even, I don't know if they're nurses, they brought them in, doing these, these, these managed dances, etc. They didn't look terribly overworked to me or lethargic. And believe you me, if you're in a situation of mass deaths, you would not be in the mood for dancing. Really, because you're going to be affected more than most folk, especially the young people who are working in it. You're not going to go out there and start dancing and kicking up your heels. And it's all fun, especially when you're worked off your feet, supposedly. But really, people like me are so used to seeing deception being used in big, big media. I can remember 9-11 when they when they showed you the protests, supposedly in Iraq and different different countries, uh, against America, you see, as they're trying to get up the, the angst against Iraq. That had nothing to do with 9-11. And they've used the same kind of caption and photographs against Syria recently. But, but they, they used these big meetings. You saw these people shaking their fists. It was from India and, and Pakistan. You, you see the flags in the background. Doesn't, see, truth doesn't matter to those in the top. They just want to get the impression across on behalf of their masters to get an opinion so that you'll be against whoever's protesting your country. <laughs> it's, it's really, and they use the same thing using a, a ward in Italy that was really under a pandemic. And, and they used the same photograph for one in New York. That was disgusting. You can't get any lower than that. So before this hour is up, this first hour, I'll just remind you that, as I've said before, you'll be lucky to fight back using their battlefield of terminology and the sciences, however pretentious a lot of it actually seems to be at times, according to previous pandemics and the aftermath of them. Same formula only this time they're, they've given 10 years, as I say, and massive unified sworn oaths to be on board together. Does, I mean, they've sworn oaths on this, as, as you do in a war against the people, just like weapons of mass destruction. I can remember, too, during Bush Jr.'s time, where he said if the public ever found out what we'd done, he says they'll chase us down the streets with ropes in their hands. That's how it's done. They swear, because otherwise you, 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 you swear together to stand by 
the true fasci. That's what you see on either side of the Congressional Hall in the U.S. is the fasci on either side, the bundle of sticks with the axe in the middle. You all stick together, and the people think it's, a, it's really, we're all sticking. No, no, it's them. <laughs> it's those who also belong to another society that run your governments. Going way back from its foundation. And, uh, yeah, you, you, that's what you do. You're stronger together, you're bound together, but you're sworn together under oath. And that's how they do it. Weapons of mass destruction, weapons of mass... No matter who was asked for interviews, they always parted the same slogans, like parrots. And that's good enough, supposedly, for for the public. Same thing this time, too. And you're all going to die, you're all going to die, you're all going to die, unless, 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 and... Uh, same kind of thing, and give up all your rights and freedoms and do what you're told and obey to keep safe. And we might have to to use force on you to keep you safe. There you go. And they've locked up everybody, for the first time in history, I've said before, entire populations across the world of healthy people for the first time in history. Uh, some of the top doctors and virologists uh, today and in the past said the worst thing you could do is to lock up the people into their homes because you have to get herd immunity, which is the only way that's has ever worked in the past. Not by vaccination, even by guys who invented the vaccines, by the way, in the past came out and talked about this. And they said herd immunity would come through just exposure to the general public. And they're not going to get it all if they're locked up in their homes, you see. So it's gone against all previous uh, advice and and training and and teachings from virology of the past. It's a a complete reversal of it, of course. And it's it's also a a big psychological operation. I've I've got stacks of information on the behavioral teams that are all working with governments across the world. They're working with each other across the world. There's thousands of them, by the way the actual behaviorists, and they, they in turn oversee, uh, like, like Brigade, the 77 Brigade of Britain, which is, I mentioned that months and months ago, in the last year or two, uh, and the years before that, they set up a big unit in Britain of cyber warfare to go after people and, and, and to destroy their websites, destroy their talks, destroy everything they put out there. And even put up uh, attacks against them and all kind of like for all the old stuff, liable people and so on, to get them off, and give them a hard time, turn different groups against each other, etc. So this is cyber warfare, a literal, and they call it the seventy seventh in Britain. Well, they're at it again, and they they oversee a lot of the the behavior insights teams working with them, and they instruct all their, their attack warriors. Uh, and have thousands, and have called up thousands in reserve <laughs> across the world to go after anybody not parroting the the, the authorized version of all of this. And uh, again, it's the first time against the internet completely. You know, it's all unified uh, warfare, unified warfare against all those on the internet who won't go along with this. It's the first time they've managed it so completely, and your tax money is paying to, for your own destruction. <laughs> That's not wonderful as we buy our chains over and over and over, eh? Quite something. But the public don't know, most of them. 
and you have to forget that too, forget them to an extent, because it's not the general public you're going after. Most of the public that sit and watch TV every day were gone before all this started. Uh, they'll always take the... I, I, did, I gave talks on this from studies, from the big boys themselves. They're always studying us. And they admitted years ago that they had no problem with the general population and that the percentage is done pretty accurately, who would obey if anything happened and so on. And and how and how to even get the public that were that were dithering on the edges or something uh, to to just tip over onto onto the side that they wanted you to go to, uh, and how to do it according to the profiles that you have and all the rest of it, and how to feed stuff to you that you think was coming from real people, etc. And so you know, like independent people, it, it, this is total warfare. This is the stuff that that Snowden talked about, and before him. You had um, Assange, who's still locked up, because there's no way, no way they're going to allow. They ever wanted the, the internet to have, give freedoms to the public. Do you know how hard it would be for them in their technocratic dreams, just to order folk around when folk really believed that freedom of speech? It, it wouldn't be too easy. So you must unify opinion, standard. You make it all standardized opinions. You see and that you create consent to be ruled. And there, I went through the, the talks years ago on the creation of consent, and how Bernays came out with it too, and then the Frankfurt School and different groups came out with it, and how you, and it's all used today in the higher echelons of governance, as they call it, and it's taught in university how you manufacture consent. You're all gonna die, you're gonna die. And they aim it at different genders too. And have other ones aimed at children, so that even the children will nag their parents into complying and go along with things, or even turn uh, become snitches against their parents, just like the the communists did uh, with uh, the Young Communist League, and and uh, the Hitler Youth too used them. Uh, that always happens when you're training a new a new generation to grow up to be ultra ultra uh, fascist or fascistic, as they call it. You must always get the children on your side and make them. And look at look at the Antifa movement during all this too. Do you think they, how come they're on board with bringing all the same agendas in for sustainability, no meat eating, a reduced diet, etc., um, yada yada, and destruction of any kind of industry. Da, 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 da. The same things as the WEF have been promoting too. And why would the WEF, the World Economic Forum, with all the big big businesses, and I gave talks. <sighs> 20 years ago, because they were the ones then promoting sustainability, not the ones at the bottom grassroots. Why would the biggest oil companies be promoting this too, etc.? You start putting things together. And of course, all the big uh, Microsoft and IBM and all the rest of them are all on board with it too. Strange thing that you, you you just as I say it's just like that, that when you become a multi billionaire you you suddenly become a philanthropist it's you just wake up one morning and and you see everything exactly the same way as Bill Gates and and all the other ones uh, the big philanthropists and old Rockefeller used to have and you just it just hits you and you're on board with the exact same agenda depopulation abortion across the planet you know sterilization etc through foodstuffs and all that. And uh, it just, it's one of these, it's just a consequence of evolution, they'll say, for economic evolution. It just, that's, it just hits you. That, and you want to, under helping people, you really want to, as I say, lower the, the population and 
uh, and have them obey you and, and yada yada and not breed at all, you see. Mm. Uh, one of these strange things, that, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe that's when they're, they're creeping up from the base model, the base of the pyramid you see all the way up. They're, they're, all, they're all the workers in different levels. That's what the degrees are, each level of bricks. And then the light there, and they're looking up, and they see the light. And ah, I have seen the light. Eh? You just, I, I'm a philanthropist now, and I want to depopulate the world for, for, to help the people and for the world's sake, you see. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is, really. And then you, 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 have, you have this problem with, you, you get obsessive-compulsive disorder, I think, too, with it. Because you look at it all, you see. Look at the world, it is so untidy. So untidy. And we could tidy it up. We can get all these people living out scattered in the countries, throw them inside this city. We'll call it agenda for the 21st century. And then we'll have segments every 15 years, 2015, 2030, to see how well we're doing with the business plan, you see. Because this is so untidy. And those folk who live out there, they need vehicles too, and they're, and they're driving these ATVs and so on, and, and, and um, they're driving back and forth in these trucks and all that, you see. It's such an awful nuisance. It's so untidy, isn't it, eh? Let's get them off the land and put them in there and, and put them into the city. And then when a pandemic breaks out, just like, say, New York City, for instance, they'll be so crammed together, it, it, they'll all spread like wildfire so fast. I gave talks on this 20 years ago. The city's what would come, <laughs> including the pandemic. So. And what's their answer to this today? Eh? Well, we're going to just skip all the rural areas and not help them at all, eh? But they'll give them financing and help them if they're in the cities. So to encourage them all to get in the cities where they're, where, where they're definitely going to be more exposed as you crowd more and more and more folk into them. Yeah, this is not stupidity, folks. This is a, it's an agenda. The agenda for the 21st century is for the whole century. And all the parts in between the 20, 15, 20, 30 and so on are different segments that they must complete by that time period. Eh? That's what it ended with 2045 and etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how they work it out. The 20 year plans, 30 year plans, the communist way. And the communists got it from the League of Nations, of course, uh, with, it, with their 20 years and, 50, and of course, the, the, the United Nations has their 20, 40, 50 year, 100 year plans too. And big businesses do the same thing. Because we are silly little people, you see. We just think very short term because. We don't live that long, and we don't have foundations to carry on an agenda we might dream up. They could go on for many generations, and then you could definitely accomplish your ideas, couldn't you? So there we are with it. Now, I want to read a few articles here, to, just to show you this has happened before. And I'll preface it, too, by saying that anybody who goes against the stream, as you know, is in real time getting pulled off the net and off YouTube and everything else because you're not authorized to say anything at all, anything at all. You could, you could repeat the, all, all the, the, the stuff that they're putting out for you to do, keep, keep locked down, keep safe, keep blah, blah, blah. That, that's fine, but if you say anything different, any opinion, you'll get pulled. This is, this is complete tyranny. This, this is real authoritarian tyranny, folks. And it, it won't go away, 
If you allow something this to happen, it will never, ever go away. Now, during their, their, their pandemic exercise, the tabletop exercises, like they call it, uh, not just the Rockefeller one, 2010, but also the one exercise too, the, the one at Johns Hopkins University. They had the same bunch in from Rockefellers there too, by the way, I do believe. And they also had uh, Bill Gates, Bill Mund Gates Foundation members there as well. And uh, the CDC people have participated too, top virologists. All the ones eventually came out, all two partners, exercises of what would happen. But they went through it and I put the links up to, to their site and you can download their talks and so on as they went through that exercise, right down to steps they would take to, to, to curtail any opposing opinions. And they'd have different phases and stages of it too. Right down to, uh, uh, again, stopping any financing to anybody, making it impossible to live, uh, and then charging them with putting out disinformation and imprisoning people too. This is all done in exercise. For, there's nothing democratic about it. So you see, where's the law has been written down here? Uh, what's been shown to the public before it gets passed through for bills and so on? Because anything that's put, even in the so-called <laughs> pretense democratic nations, that you're supposed to see the bills and have your inputs and and complain to any politician, supposedly, uh, before it, it proceeds to the next level. Well, they haven't done any of this with any of this stuff at all. This is total tyranny. Uh, and they're using a pretense of like a wartime measure. Well, no one has invaded us or attacked us. War is for war, you know. Pandemics and dealing with pandemics is a different kettle of fish altogether. And what they bring in is a whole new, a new, whole new way of life. They actually say that it's a WEF. Some of the, some of the, the characters at the WEF they say that a new way of living is on their website, and in all the different green organisations that are funded by the big foundations that also run the WEF, are saying the same thing: a new way of life, a new way of living has to come out of this. And they're talking about an entirely new way. They're talking about, it's not democratic anymore. You'll do, this is technocracy. You'll do what you're told by experts. You'll obey them and whatever they tell you to do. And there'll be different divisions. Healthcare is one of them. Uh, you must obey, 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 or else. This is complete tyranny. Uh, it's a tyranny that Bertrand Russell dreamed of having because he, he wanted this. And he said, if there's going to be a tyranny, I, I would much prefer it to be and I hope it to be a, a scientific tyranny, he said. And it said it will be uh, one of the worst tyrannies that ever existed, if it's scientific. And here you are. They're just getting warmed up right now. And they were prepared for this long before uh, for folk protesting. And I, I really mean this. I, I've watched them collapse with about three pandemics in the past. And really, you know, have to hide in their holes for a little while. But this, with this one here, this is—they're at war with the world. All these different authoritarian agencies that you don't vote for—they're all appointed. Many of them are privately owned, by the way. I've always been against government farming out any of its responsibilities to private companies. And then you train them that the children. Well, these are these are bona fide. Bonafide alien agencies, you know, they're no, they're not. They're, they're not government agencies. They're private agencies. Private. 
It's quite something. But here we're going through it all, and I want to touch on a few things here. Generally, I race through a lot of material, and I remember I put the, and I, I got to remember, remind you all too, that you should, as always, and if you haven't done it so far, do it, because they're pulling people off fast now. It's total war against the public, and by the fascistic overrulers, your overlords who are in control. And uh, they mean business. So remember, enlist all the official sites I have at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Look up the sites I have. There's a bunch of them listed on that site. And make note of them. So if you never hear from me again, hopefully I'll be on one of the other ones. And and uh, and the, the alternate sites as well. Uh, you, you already know where, where to find them and so on. Because they really mean business. And the next step, of course, will be a, a more vicious... Because they really mean, but they're at war. They're at war. They're at war with the general population. They still thinks that they have rights and that they they've got democracy. Total war on behalf of their masters above them, uh, that literally own the planet as far as they're concerned. And that's what it is too. Now I'll touch on a few things here, but and before I touch too, I should really remind myself as well. Remember, you can send a few bucks my way, hopefully. And keep me ticking over because, uh, say, my websites are used massively. You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> Don't believe what you read or, or you see. I've been shadow banned for years, and they've fudged the figures massively too, for years and years and years. Don't believe that because the biggest ones of all out there use the sites all the time that I've got for the information that's on them. And uh, uh, it's, it's a trove of uh, information down there. Believe you me. So you, can, you send a few bucks my way, you can see how you do it, cutting through matrix.com and you, you can help me tick along here, hopefully, because we're all suffering, we're all suffering as we go through this nonsense of the complete destruction of economy, which is intended to bring in the new system, right? A whole new way of living and austerity. I gave the talks on austerity quite a few years back. I was the only person doing them from the United Nations and all the other organizations affiliated with them as they would bring in austerity to the, to the people. And just the only problem they had is how to make it happen. They could bring it in. Well, here, bingo, here you go. This was one of them, and they chose that one. That's the easiest way to do it. This, I mentioned before, is an article, the start of an article put out by John Pilger. Now, John Pilger has been a lefty, far left, I suppose, um, a real journalist, a real journalist though, for years and years, his whole life, and travelled the world, went to the hot spots where wars were, and risked his life along the way too, so he had guts, you know. But he, he always goes to the far, far side of everything, so a lot of people can't really uh, listen too much of him. But regardless, he documents the big businesses, the big businesses that use the third world for for their for incredible profits using cheap, cheap, cheap labor and resources, etc. Nothing has really changed except they made China, the big major domo, uh, deliberately. And we set China up. It did not set itself up, folks. But he, he mentions a lot of good stuff, too. Um, and this is one thing that always stuck with me. He says that the new propaganda is liberal. And the new slavery is digital. 
and he said, what is modern propaganda? For many, it is the lies of a totalitarian state. In the 1970s, I met Lenny Riefenstahl, and I mentioned this before, this is very impressive, and her life story is pretty impressive too, Lenny Riefenstahl, and asked her about her epic films that glorified the Nazis. She was hired to do propaganda, really very unique and ahead of its time, filming propaganda. Uh, using all the techniques uh, that, that um, were available to her at that time in the 1930s. And it was revolutionary in a sense, the way it was done. It says it here, to using revolutionary camera and lighting techniques, she produced a documentary form that mesmerized Germans. It was called the Triumph of the Will. And it cast Hitler's spell over the people, basically. But he, he met Leni Riefenstahl and asked about that. You shouldn't just judge people without asking to try to find out what was going on in their heads and in their lives and everybody's lives around them. That's how you learn. If you're already got a brick wall against you'll never learn anything at all. And you're biased already. But she told me that, and I guess she was pretty typical of many people, of any country, by the way. This is, this is a lesson that I'm trying to get across here. So Lenny says, she told me that the messages of her films were dependent not on orders from above, but on the submissive void of the German public, meaning at that time, a submissive void. Did that include the liberal educated bourgeoisie? Everyone, she said. So a submissive void, you see. No one was speaking out or fighting back about anything. Well. What are you seeing today, folks? If you do speak up, man, you get hammered. But during the time of Germany at the time, Germany had been hammered since World War I. Hammered and hammered and hammered. And it was supposed to be paying reparations for the cost of the entire World War I to every country that participated in it pretty well. And they, were, and they had the, the Great Depression and, and they had uh, complete hyperinflation and horror show. And at the same time, you had the communists that already got the Russia massively infiltrated uh, and organized. That was the first thing, first thing you hear with, with communism was organize, organize, organize. And they'd organized tremendously, and they tried to have uh, takeovers and revolutions within Germany. And been, uh, the, the Nazi party would never have arisen if it wasn't for the, the reparations and starvation level that was for most of the Germans. And and the fact that the communists were were making the situation worse. The communists believe it may think things worse and worse until people have a, a, a revolution, they're ready for it, and then you lead them and you get what you want by using them. So the Nazis were having pitched battles in the streets with them. And that, otherwise, there would have been no Hitler at all. There'd be no need for someone to start, come on, be the strong man, the leader, as the Fuhrer is called, the, the leader. There'd be no need for him, and nobody would have followed someone under any other circumstances like that. But, but there again, so they're beaten down, right? And even the middle classes and the educate, edu well-educated classes, the professional classes, right? Uh, that, that's what it says. It wasn't from orders, weren't dependent on orders from above being telling them what to do, but in the submissive void of the German public. Did that include the liberally educated bourgeoisie? Everyone, she said. 
And he goes on to say that today we prefer to believe that there is no submissive void. Choice is ubiquitous. Phones are platforms that launch every half-thought. There is Google from outer space if you need it. Caress like rosary beads. The precious devices are born heads down, relentlessly monitored and prioritized. Their dominant theme is the self, me, my needs. Riefenstahl's submissive void is today's digital slavery. Uh, we'll put together that little bit there. And then he goes into the the new idea of uh, how you can go into it all. The ultimate means of social control is you're wired into everything. And it's through the airways because it's voluntary. You don't, you're not being forced to use this stuff. But it's addictive. It's meant to be addictive. And it's shrouded in illusions of her personal freedom. Now it's going to monitor you all. Of course, it is already monitoring you. And it's not freedom at all. It's a horror show coming along. And folk are capitulating just like you would not believe. Because most folk, again, go through life, even before the digital era, in a, in a trance-like state at times, almost a daydream. So much of their thought is a daydream. And children especially, you can see in children, if they're staring at the TV or something, or and the mouth's open, and they've got blanks there, and because they're, they're, it's a semi-hypnotic stare you're looking at. They're under a, under a, a spell, and uh, it's a form of relaxation for the child, if you remember when you were a child, and you, had, you could do that yourself, and you realize, oh, where have I been there for the last few minutes? It's, it's kind of nice, and but that's what it is. But you go into the stage today, or the state today, you can put into quite easily, and most folk go through their lives living in fiction, which they soak up like never before. There's so much of it. Entertainment. And bits and bytes, they call it, I call it bits and bytes of information that don't really tell you in depth any particular subject or anything's really happening. But you, you're given what you think is, is a, 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 a taste, a whiff of what it's supposed to be about through the headlines. And that's what most folk read, you know. Why do you think they have pictures of people with the headline, I mean, it's like it's like it's like Justin Trudeau in Canada. Why do you need his face next to every every topic about what the government's doing? You see, you don't need his face. It's Big Brother you're seeing. That's the only reason it's there. You know what he looks like already. And it's from stock photographs. They could use the same one or one from a group of sittings, as you call it, uh, for 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 a hundred or two hundred. Uh, Stories on whatever Canada's doing or whatever. It's Big Brother. That, that's what George Orwell was getting to. It wasn't just his, the, you seeing it plastered all over the streets and so on of Big Brother. And then you're, when you lived, you're seeing Big Brother in your homes all the time when you look at these articles. There's, there's their faces staring at you, you know. You don't need these faces. You really don't. There's so much of the media you really are unaware of why it's doing what it's doing, including why do you think uh, when when they give something about uh, some some teenagers are being abused, do you really need a, a semi-naked girl? Uh, it's obviously a model or something, a stock photo, uh, co- coiled up on a floor somewhere, almost naked, be- to go along with, with the story. Do you really need that? Of course you don't. There's much more. There's more going on to do with the story than you than you realize. It's just a story. Everything is meant to get a reaction from you, often a different reaction from what you think is intended to. Yeah.
But anyway, this is all, I'm getting sidelined again. So, this is what he's talking about here, about the, the digital slavery that we're in today. And more so than you think, when you see the Canada with, with uh, Teresa Tam, who, who, by the way, is one of the nine heads, I think, uh, of the board of the WHO, which is a communist organization, always was. And... Uh, uh, Mr. Tedros, of course, is um, is known for his part in it too. And I, I knew someone who was ahead of that WHO for a little while as well, briefly, personally, who filled me in years ago on part of the agenda. And I, was, I wasn't quite uh, on board, understanding at the time what it was all about, but I learned <laughs> that this person is appointed, appoints themselves to different major boards across the world. And that's how the world's run by these these active uh, you know, technocrats that are changing the world. And it's an agenda that you wouldn't like at all. You wouldn't like it whatsoever, especially if you're a nation. You certainly won't like it. You know, that's quite something when you, when you see it happening, and you find out who the people, different people are, different players in it. And it was interesting too that Tam was in that documentary that the CBC talked about years ago, back to 2010 it was, I think, on Outbreak. And I'll put a link up for it, uh, if it's still up there yet. I think you might have to buy the thing, but uh, it was about, uh, it was from a book initially, I think, and then they did a documentary on it, and Tam was asked about uh, how they would track people in an outbreak, and she said, well, we could use bracelets on them, you know. Well, I'm sorry, Miss Tam, you see, the bracelet is a manacle, See, that, that's the symbology of them. I don't care if there's no chain on it. It's still an electronic chain. It's a manacle, and you put them on slaves, you know. And you don't do that in a democratic society. This is the same person, Tam, who parted the same nonsense that, that came out from the president of China when the West says we've got to slow down the mass migration out of China during this pandemic. And 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 Xi Jinping, or what you call him, he said um, he said it's racist not to allow them in. Well, it's nothing to do with racism. It's pandemic response. This is what you're supposed to do. It doesn't matter who they are. And and she pirated him. Why would she pirate him? Which is in Canada. The people have to start asking who's who's serving whom. You know, there certainly doesn't seem to be the general public safety that's getting served anywhere. Really. But no, putting electronic manacles on people, uh, no, you, you don't do that, no, 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 no. And you don't lock up the healthy either. And if you're not doing the same thing for other diseases that are, that are deadly, which you're certainly not doing, because they're politicized, and the people who are politicized them have, have rights, maybe exceptional rights, in fact, then you can't you can't just start <laughs> grabbing folk because they want to go and get tested or whatever. Especially when the testing is so bogus with the results. And I'll touch on them tonight. It's all, what I'm saying is all official and admitted to that the testing, a lot of the stuff is no use at all. All these test kits, given false positives, false negatives, and some of them were even supposedly contaminated. That were brought over from China, but it's, this is all stuff that's come out from the the authorized media. And I'll touch on that tonight. So here's another one here. Again, by Pilger. Just a, just a touch here. But he did mention the death of Robert Parry.
it felt like a farewell to the age of the reporter. You've you got to remember, we, we don't get reporters anymore. We get handouts dished out to, to the big news agents, or we still call them agents and news, not newspapers, but big sites and companies. And they, they, they just get handouts. They put them straight in their papers. It's written by experts, as they say, and, and, and um, propaganda, you know. And they, they called them as well. I mean, I think it was Bernays changed it eventually. He, he called them propagandists, and that's what you do. You just, you're spin doctors, and you spin information, you see. And now, now we have every company today has spokespeople who come out and are trained in the art of propaganda and putting things across the general public by spinning it and hiding stuff the public wouldn't like in a spin and, or, or deflecting questions altogether. Like politicians are trained to actually, uh, when they get a question, this direct to direct question to answer, uh, they don't answer the question. You'll notice that, notice that all the time. The, the answer, and you know, get stunned, he said, maybe he didn't hear it right, because the answer he gives back is the one he wished he, he would have heard. That, that's what they're trained to, to do. You wish you had, I wish you'd said this, and the answer is all they had. And it throws the listener off. But I, I, thought, I thought they asked him, you know. You hear that all the time. How can, <laughs> me, how can people really believe that they're free, huh? Especially in the joke of democracy. Come on, come on. So, the, yeah, so Robert Parry, as I say, was a, a trailblazer for independent journalism. And uh, also Hirsch, it's, it's Hirsch talked about him. Hirsch revealed the My Lai massacre in Vietnam and the secret bombing of Cambodia. And Parry exposed Iran-Contra, a drugs and gun running conspiracy that led to the White House. And the CIA run it. Big, I mean, the, the CIA run drugs. They, they always have. They even have movies about it and how much fun it was, you know. <laughs> but it didn't stop. None, these things don't stop. The first rule or law that, that, that Mr. Bush uh, demanded they pass over Afghanistan when they invaded Afghanistan. And, and the troops then now defend them and, and, and literally police and patrol and keep safe the poppy fields. He, he said that, that they should start to, to grow the poppy again and start exporting the, the goods of it. Because the Taliban had stopped it, they forbid it. So he, you wouldn't liberate them, sorting of the poppy fields, and out of that gets the, you eventually get heroin, and then they flood America with it, and elsewhere. And that's the real world, and this is, this is not conspiracy stuff, this is, this is admitted to eventually. We don't even, most folk don't really care today that it's still happening, they just, oh well, isn't that normal, you know. So Hirsch revealed that the Mai Lai massacre in Vietnam and the secret bomb in Cambodia. Parry exposed that Ryan Contra drugs, gun running, and conspiracy that led to the White House. 2016, they separately produced compelling evidence that the sad government in Syria had not used chemical weapons. They were not forgiven for doing that. <laughs> and driven from the mainstream, Hirsch must publish his work outside the U.S. And Parry set up his own independent news website called Consortium News. And that's still going today. And there's a few well-known people involved in that one today. Like it or not, it's up to you. But the fact is, you have to go into all sides of everything. And you have real reporters here and there. Don't dismiss things because of the leanings that they they have in any particular thing. You learn bits and pieces from everybody.
That's how knowledge is scattered. I've said it so many times. It's deliberately scattered. Now, here's an article here. I, I mentioned before about Bristol, where, where people had gone in, and there's nobody in Bristol. <laughs> just, just the staff walking about, just sitting and staring off into space. Nothing much happening. Bristol's Nightingale Hospital, this is a new one, remains empty a, a week after opening. They, they had opened a new one up, but they only haven't used it. It says, Patient beds at Bristol's Nightingale Hospital are empty, and the official opening ceremony at the National Health Service facility took place on Monday, and it was ready for use last Saturday, but still nobody's there. No patients have been admitted to any of the 300 beds yet, and health bosses are hoping it will never need to be used at all. The specialist coronavirus unit will only be used if other southwest hospitals run out of capacity and need extra space to cope. Staff who have been seconded to work there have received training and are ready to treat problems, but will only be called in when their services are required. And it goes into the the people who are training them. A lot of them are laid off, actually, the staff in the main hospital. Lots of them are laid off. But, uh, yeah, so, so this is the one that's specially opened in the whole thing for it. Nothing's just, just empty. Eh? They don't need it. And the main hospitals that, that have been examined before, too, don't seem overrun either. There's nothing happening there. I, I saw an interesting article by, uh, it was in Daily Mail, maybe. It was a, a woman, a nurse, who was training some of the staff, I think, for this Nightingale Hospital. And they give her a, a photograph, which is much younger, with her father. And she's now in her mid-thirties, I think, but she's training these staff. But he, he what is it? here's a tragedy of National Health Services. And Britain's got a terrible reputation for, for screw-ups in the last 20, 30 years, maybe. Getting worse and worse all the time. As they cut back, too, mind you. And many other reasons I won't even go into. But she, there's her, a picture with her and her dad, and he died. He just died. He's just training folk to go in to this newer hospital. But here's this. If they keep, they, see, you say, my God, that's terrible. Here's a poor nurse, and here's her, here's her father died, and yada, yada. But here's what happened. You, you keep reading on, and, you, and it's still later on, you get a little nugget. Often they won't even give you little nuggets of truth, but or extra. If they want to spin it and just put it right down to COVID. The guy, this guy, the, the father, who was in the early 70s, I think, had developed a high fever. So most people were cut off. They oh, I got COVID and all Keep reading because it tells you that they brought him in and they put him in a COVID ward, you see, where they're treating the, 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 maybe the, the, the few COVID ones that they have. But they, they put him in a COVID alongside other patients. And then they found out he was negative for it. And that his fever was in response to treatment he had just been given for skin cancer. Okay? So he didn't have the illness. They, they took him out there and sent him to another ward. And then after a few days, he developed the COVID because they, they put him in the ward beforehand that had the COVID patients. Now, if he's given anti-cancer treatments, they, they lower your immune system. You understand what's happening here with all these things that's going on here? There's so many folk dying. They can't even get any hospitals. And then folk who are healthy getting put in the wrong wards and everything. 
uh, you talk about screw ups. That should never, that should never ever have happened. And any, any quack worth his salt uh, should have been on the ball right off the bat and says any, any recent treatment. Where's his health record? And oh, he's he's had so and so and include him right away and not put him in the into a contaminated ward. That, that's the sort of thing. Anyway, that's just another tragedy there. Terrible tragedy. And uh, needless, absolutely needless. And I may have other problems too, probably did, but the thing is, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you've had cancer treatment and you're, you've already got a fever because of the treatment. Um, you're pretty sure you, you're wide open, your immune system's been hammered with the treatment and you're wide open for things, you know. And then you got this one too. The CDC is going door to door in Metro Atlanta to test residents for antibodies. Remember, it's not for the Center for Disease Elimination, it's, it's for controlling disease, eh? <laughs> They control disease. So anyway, it says, um, so they visit randomly selected homes in Fulton and DeKalb counties to conduct antibody surveys. It's a partnership between the County Health Board's Georgia Department of Public Health and Atlanta-based Center for Disease Control and Prevention. The agencies will have teams visit randomly selected homes through May 4th, and people will be asked to answer questions and provide a blood sample for antibody tests. Well, I'd, I'd tell them where to go with it. And it says, you start thinking, people, if you read the other articles, they want to lock down anybody who's testing negative. Huh? Have you figured that one out yet? And keep you in your homes. For your own safety. So if they're testing for their antibodies, anyone who find out that, you, that you, you have no antibodies to it, you're definitely going to get brought in by any means possible and used as a pincushion. Uh, and maybe then, if, if you ever develop antibodies, that they'll let you out. This is, you understand where they're going with it all. You, you, can you believe they're going round door to door asking for your blood here? Really? Come on here. Come on. Oh. So they encourage everybody who visits, visits by the teams to participate in this very important survey that can help public health. Mm. I wouldn't go, if anybody's going door to door with needles, folks, and they hit one person in the street, and there's the slightest contamination on their outer garments or anywhere, blah, 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 yeah? And then they're going to take a, a syringe and put it into you. If, they, if they've picked up anything along the way there, then they're putting it into you, and for goodness sake. How come they can come up and take blood off you uh, without the, the the social distancing, as they call it? But they can do that. Like uh, it's just the priesthood; they're holy. You see, you see, they're authorized to be holy, and and I guess that just dispels the virus in their vicinity, like a, like a, a force shield around them or something. Eh? Yeah, I, I saw the same thing when you saw them sticking their arms through windows. With the protective gear on, eh? That protective gear isn't getting changed with, with every every car that drives through. Maybe the gloves will, but it's long the sleeves and everything else. This stuff isn't just stuck on your clothing, eh? It, 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 it wafts off it too with any little breeze of wind or whatever. <laughs> on whoever else is next to it. Uh, this is incredible what we're witnessing here. That's really something, eh? And getting back to Miss Tam with her bracelets and stuff for, for tracking you and all the rest, electronic bracelets, eh? uh, never mind all the other apps they want you to take too to monitor you, yada, yada. 
But uh, it's the same thing there with the bracelets. I mean, why not just give you a bell around your neck like leprosy, like they used to do? This is the same stigmatizing of, of segments of society. This is what this is, folks. And the behaviorist teams are working hard to, to stigmatize certain, oh my God, you know, you're, it's almost like you're an anti-Semite or a Holocaust denier or anti-vaxxer. You had all these anti-anti things they come on with. They've already trained the public to, to, to recoil when they hear the words, and they keep adapting them and adopting them into new terms as they stigmatize segments of society here. That's what it is. That's what fascism always does. You stigmatize different segments of society that won't comply or give in to you. Standard stuff. But yeah, just put a bell around their necks and, you know, and again, again, beware, beware, clang, clang, beware, you know. There you go. (laughs) Bracelets, eh? Manacles. Uh, And you haven't committed any crime, eh? And and yet they'll say you have committed a crime because you broke quarantine. Well, where is the law? Where was the debate? Where was the public input for the bill to get passed and the whole thing? You're accepting these new rules as laws. And you'll never get rid of them. Chicago launches a new COVID app that could help with vaccine rollout. Or could help. See, it's not a manacle. And it's not something that's going to try and trace you. You see, just for that reason. It's going to help you help you. Getting back to soldiers, it's like soldiers I mentioned earlier. They call them peacekeepers, Orwellian, you see. What do you mean peacekeepers? They're, they're warriors. They've got guns and they've got ammunition and they've got grenades and knives and so on and bayonets. They're, they're, they're soldiers that are meant to use against people in war. They don't go around handing out bread, you see. Uh, so you call them peacekeepers to, to muddy the, the reality of it. Oh, oh they're, they're, they're here to keep the They're not invading cunt. No, they're here to keep the peace. Right. Same thing. If it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, and goes bang like a duck, it's a, definitely a military duck. So here's the, 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 the app, as I say. So, um... Chicago looks to better communicate with residents suffering from COVID-19 symptoms. Most folk don't suffer at all from it. And it could help uh, Chicagoans access a vaccine once it becomes available. So, so if, you, if you get the app, you see you, your name's first down. You're going to be one of the first ones to get a, a, new, a new vaccine as a trial. You're, you're a guinea pig, you see. So, Mayor, and this is quite an, because they've had <laughs> a little bits up on on the news about it. Mayor uh, Laurie Lightfoot, along with Alison Arwadi, the Commissioner of the Chicago Department of Public Health. That Arwadi is quite amazing. She 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 goes on and. And she waves her hands a lot like Bill. I guess they all get to go to the same instructors and and communications experts. They wave their hands a lot and and look excited and and happy, like it's wonderful. She'll rush you into accepting the vaccine, you see, because she's got millions of, of uh, syringes ready for everybody, you see. Without and absolutely no, no, no touch. There's no touch at all upon any possibility of anyone. Refusing it, you see. Uh, this doesn't look too good, doesn't it, in a free society? So, um, so there you go. It'd help you get be on the list uh, when one becomes available. I guess it'll, it'll go off. And if you if you don't go and get their shot, you see, 
you're, you're, it's the same as China. You have that, they'll eventually they show that in the stores, that that uh, app will be blue and green or whatever it is, or red. If it goes red and you haven't got your shot, then they'll be refused access to the stores and it'll automatically phone the police to pick you up and drag you off. It's the same apps they're using in China, folks, with different names on them. <laughs> Can't buy or sell, eh? Anyway, here's the... Uh, this is the... the and this is um, this is what they call the Chai, the Chai. I don't know if it's for Chinese or whatever. The Chai COVID Coach app allows residents to get text messages that are tailored to their symptoms, tailored to your symptoms, along with information on when and where to seek medical care. My, you couldn't find that out for yourself. Thank goodness the app's going to tell you. Users can also receive alerts on occasions and, and times when. And here's the thing, folks. Again, here's the bell for the lepers in the neck. You see. When COVID-19 testing is available, it provides a daily check-in to monitor the well-being residents who have tested positive for the coronavirus. But it also, what it also does is to alert the user if you've been in the vicinity of folk who have been who they know of are carriers. Stigma, stigmatization, stigma, stigma, stigma. See, there you go. The trick of the elect, electric, eh? Couldn't do it without it, could he? Hmm. So there you go. And, of course, Google's got a big hand in it, and another company, too. But Google, the, the big alphabet agency grouping that's, that's totally CIA, MI6, from the beginning. And they, they do own huge corporations, real corporations. They all do. The military-industrial complex. Eh? There you go. And, by God, it says the city says the registration is free. Oh, well then, eh? And it's protected and only used by CDPH for public health purposes related to COVID-19. You can believe them, eh? <laughs> so anyway, it's partnership with Google and NASDAQ, Goog, it says, an IT company, MTX, be used to collect data about the virus's spread and those that are seeking care, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's all to do with help, help, help. You see that word everywhere, helping, helping. Yeah, the seventy seventh brigade again. I told you the one, the big, big cyber units that we've got for hammering anybody for warfare. And it's all you folks if you think for yourselves, and if you dare speak, you know, for yourself. The seventy seventh brigade is that's what they call. It's British military waging an information war on its own population. No, they'd never do that. Not Britain. No, landed the landed the free and all that, and liberty. And Britain will never ever. You know, there'd be slaves and stuff like that. Yep, it's all it's all in the songs, eh? So last Wednesday during the daily UK government coronavirus live stream, right? And it's got a link to it. The head of the British Army, General Sir Nick Carter, bragged. This is what he said, right? On the daily TV show, I guess it was. We've been involved with the Cabinet Office Rapid Response Unit with her 77th Brigade helping to quash rumours from misinformation, but also to counter disinformation between three and 4,000 of her people have been involved with around 20,000 available the whole time at high readiness. So they've got 24,000 altogether really on the go. If you wonder all these fake things are getting hammered with stories with nasty things, it's all from these different uh, little... I wouldn't even. I don't want to say the word on it, <laughs> but you know what they are. They they get paid to hammer their fellow people. 
unfortunately in totalitarian societies they do pay these characters as well that's what uh, Stalin said the same thing he said well was pair teachers or police and our military very well he said yeah. uh, very important So then it says, to understand the implication of the statement, we have to go back to 2018 when Carter gave a speech to the Royal United Services Institute. In our 77th Brigade, he says, we have got some remarkable talent when it comes to social media, production, design, and indeed Arabic poetry. Those sorts of skills we can't afford to retain in the regular component, but they are the means of us delivering capability in a much more imaginative way than we might have been able to do in the past, he says. It was previously known as the Security Assistance Group. The 77th Brigade was stood up in 2015 as part of Army 2020, and the Security Assistance Group had been established following the amalgamation of the Media Operations Group, see? <laughs> the 15th Psychological Operations Group. You're you hearing me here. This is, this, uh, this is official. Right? What I'm reading here is official from their own stuff. I'll say it again for the harder thinking. It says, the Security Assistance Group had been established following the amalgamation of the Media Operations Group, 15 Psychological Operations Group, Security Capability Building Team, and the Military Stabilization and Support Group. The 77th Brigade is described on their website, with a link there for that too, as being about information and outreach. But what does that mean, General Carter again says? We also, though, need to continue to improve our ability to fight on this new battlefield, and I think it's important that we build on the excellent foundation we've created for informational warfare through our 77 Brigade, which is now giving us the capability to compete in the war of narratives at a tactical level. There you go. It is in this context that Carter's words from last week's live stream should be viewed. Carter has acknowledged that the British military is waging war on a section of its own population, and also outside, including Canada and Australia, by the way. Carter mentioned working with the Cabinet Office's Rapid Response Unit, link is here too, established in April 2008, and also known as the Fake News Unit. The Rapid Response Unit was given an initial six months funding and brought together a team of analysts, data scientists and media and digital experts armed with cutting-edge edge software to work around the clock to monitor online breaking news stories and social media discussion. That's all the chit-chat about you lot. And they can intercede and hit you with sock puppets and crash you if they want to or shame you. You think, oh, the folk hate me, my God. Yadda, yadda, yadda. This is your free society. Eh? According to RRU's head, Alex Aitken, it says, the unit's round-the-clock monitoring service has identified several stories of concern during the pilot, ranging from the chemical weapons attack in Syria to domestic stories relating to the NHS and crime. For example, following the Syria airstrikes, the unit identified that a number of false narratives from alternative news sources were gaining traction online. These alt-news sources are biased and rely on sensationalism rather than facts to pique readers' interests. In other words, when you realize that your countries are setting up, or keep, or keep hammering Syria with, with, and with fake stories to, in order to bomb them, uh, they go after you uh, as in total warfare. 
And anyway, it says, due to the way that search engine algorithms work, when people search for our information on the strikes, these unreliable sources were appearing above official UK government information. That's because no one believes UK government information. <laughs> In fact, no government information was appearing on the first 15 pages of Google results. We know that search is an excellent indicator of intention. It can reflect bias and information received from elsewhere. Yeah, it's astonishing how the public want to know the truth, eh? rather than this gets uh, their biased information from the military that obviously is always into information warfare and propagandas and demonizing an enemy or potential enemy. They don't want anybody asking real questions like, why are we doing this? The unit therefore ensured that those using search terms that indicate bias, such as false flag, right? Terms, this is all terminology, were presented with factual information on the UK's response the RRU improved the ranking from below 200 to number one within a matter of hours. So there you go. They can do it to anything on the internet. It was given permanent funding in February 2019. And three months following the establishment of the rapid response unit, Theresa May attended the G7 summit in Quebec, Canada, and she announced there the establishment of a new rapid response mechanism following Britain's proposal for a new, more formalized approach to tackling foreign interference across G- the G7 at the G7 foreign ministers meeting the previous month. Uh, it's never ending, eh? Never ending. And I can remember the war before it started for the internet, a long time ago. And I wasn't on it, you know. I knew it was for, it was going to collect all your data and it was for profiling you and keeping, like, daily accurate information on all of you and updating it, you'd, you'd help it update by putting all the information out there yourself, and they add it to the virtual use. And they added the stories too, where the Pentagon was, was admitting to using war games on you, virtual use. Uh, and by collecting all the data on you, they'd have you in a war situation or a social situation with conflicts in the social settings. And it was all done virtually to see how you would respond. And they said it was pretty accurate. They believe that's how you would respond if these things happened in real life. That's your free society for you. You buy your chains and you, and you buy the, you, you, you gladly go on the web, eh? You, you, you know, <laughs> it's quite amazing. The web, you're stuck on the web. And along comes a big spider and gobbles you up, eh? Quite something, the black widow. <laughs> I remember doing the talks a long time ago on the black widow spiders. Massive sculptures they put up. At the Hague, you know, the, the the World Court, they call it the Hague for the United Nations. And this massive thing, the, 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 and underneath it, it's got this, was supposed to be a, the, the, the female black widow spider ready to lay eggs. And uh, this is the kind of monstrosities they put up at their, at their world uh, agencies there. Very occultic and is meant for their, their own groupings to understand, etc. It's, the folk have no idea what they're living in at all. They really don't. We're living in artificial realities as far as our conditioning goes, and it's daily conditioning. And through predictive programming, we're, we're literally prepared for everything they plan for us. We get used to the idea through fiction, and then it comes into reality, and we just adapt quite easily into it. think it's inevitable and natural. So here's, that's the article. This goes on too, there's quite a long article here. And how this, this rapid response unit works with the cabinet office and 
and they go after all with the any any unauthorized news that, that's against the world agenda. They'll hammer you and call you fake, obviously, uh, and so on. Now they're using it for the Corona thing, big time, and with the established Google. Uh, and uh, with Facebook and all the rest of them, all the big ones at the test that they did, remember, uh, admitted that they, for the COVID coming along, if, if it ever had did, and here it is, they all admitted that, that they got all the big social media giants on board with them already before it happened, right? And uh, almost as though they were expecting it, just a coincidence, of course. And then you've got... Uh, Apple and Google to release early versions of contact tracing tool to developers. Uh, and we're all throwing it. Again, it's our money. The, the, our tax money is thro- get thrown at these corporations. Eh? Public-private fascism. So Apple Inc. and Alphabet Inc.'s Google would uh, release two early versions this week of their proposed technology to slow coronavirus spread to select developers for testing purpose. It's going to slow the, 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 the virus. Mm-hmm. Ah, how they worship the things they make with their own hands. Eh? The two Silicon Valley companies whose operating systems power 99% of the world's smartphones said earlier this month that they would work together to create a contact tracing technology to slow the virus spread by allowing users to opt into logging other phones they have been near. So there again, they're using your own phones that you pay for, everything else, to snoop on other people and then to maybe even snoop on you, you see, which they're already doing anyway. This is the rare collaboration expected to accelerate usage of apps that aim to get potentially infected individuals into testing or quarantine more quickly and reliably than existing systems much of the world. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of uh, the Body Snatchers, the one that Donald Sutherland was in. And and halfway through, he teams up with a woman and... And they, 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 they manages to, to avoid these these creatures that look like people, but they're actually kind of they, they're being they're, they're fake people. They're aliens born from pods, and they escape and escape, and they get separated at one point. And they, and the whole point is never, never to look startled or stunned. And, and when you're walking in the streets, look, look like you're one of them, and this bland black expression on your bland expression on your face. And uh, the woman sees Donald Sutherland. And across the street, and he sees her, and she starts walking towards him and puts a smile on her face. And he immediately, like all the other ones, when, they, when, when you've been taken over with a fake one, you see, uh, they point at you and give out this shrieking sound out your mouth, a big loud, and, uh, and that's what happens. Well, that's what they're using your phones for, you know, so you can all point at people. Oh, look, 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 stigmatize, stigmatize, stigmatize. That's what you do. Until you're all, all going to conform. That's what it's about. This is not. This is not freedom. This is not freedom at all, and it's not even science, by the way. U.S. coronavirus bailout scam is six trillion dollars giveaway to Wall Street. Economist Michael Hudson explains, and it's in different parts. This talk here about the global economy and so on. That says the COVID-19 pandemic, the U.S. Congress ran through the CARES Act, which economist Michael Hudson explains is not a bailout, as they call it, but a massive $6 trillion giveaway to Wall Street banks, large corporations and stockholders. The same big corporations, by the way, uh, that are part of the World Economic Forum that uh, are, are sworn to change society. It's all pre-planned. They're all on board with the same agenda. It's matter what their name is, including the Club of Rome. 
and the World Bank and all the rest of them. So this is for those who want to get into the money system. The money's always been a racket, but uh, it's worse and worse. As they, as they pull this, they give a few, uh, very little to the public, of course, to go along with. It's meant that way. But the money that's got totally unaccountable to, to the ones that are given it, they're just, you know, there's nothing asked for the big corporations. We've seen this before. We've seen it all before. And then you go into the Meatless Society. I've given so many talks about this and about the, the people who've been promoted, uh, the, the Vegan Society, on behalf of the... It's the same group, by the way, and the same groups are demanding you go and you accept the climate change agenda and you go into carbon taxes and, and depopulation and complete austerity and post-industrial societies. These are all authorized big foundations, the, the foundations that fund all the, the NGOs, non-government organizations, and, and you, you become vegan. I've done it all before, so again, it's like boring to me as I watch them push it along. Going back even to January, and Beyond Meat and McDonald's expand Canadian plant-based burger test. Just coincidence, of course, they did all that at the beginning. And it says 52 restaurants in southwestern Ontario will now serve the PLT sandwiches, plant lettuce and tomato that feature Beyond Meat pea-based uh, patties for 12 weeks starting January 14th. I don't know if you've looked at the list of chemicals they had to make it try me. It tastes like meat. <laughs> it's just horrific. But I would need it, you know. And it's a test will include 27 new locations, well, three restaurants in Sarnia and original trial will be uh, removing the PLT from their menus, McDonald's told Bloomberg in an email. And it goes on and on and on. And Bill Gates, by the way, is a patent owner in the burgers. I mentioned that last week and put the link up to, remember that, my own site, my own website, you'll find the links of the topics I put up. Uh, this, I'm not making this stuff up. And it's from authorized sources, so they can't say I'm um, conspiracy theorist. And he's in a Cargill meatpacking plant closure, COVID-19 outbreak among foreign workers, tops 500 cases. Mm, quite some, eh? And, uh, and even that one's interesting. You know, they're all pretty interesting when you go into it. But Alberta's chief medical officer, Dr. Dina Hinshaw has spoken about the company's employees repeatedly at her press briefings. The top doctor has identified poor living standards and carpooling as leading causes of viral spread. The staff working at Cargill are largely temporary foreign workers. Justin Trudeau passed a resolution, I don't know if it's laws, I don't even need laws anymore. You just, you just, you just state what you, you just dictate, I guess. And that's it. But uh, amongst, amongst all uh, the stopping, supposedly stopped, which is a joke too, of uh, planes coming in and out, they're still coming out from all these different countries and the main airports. However, uh, they can still bring in uh, the te temporary foreign workers. This is an essential, these are essential occupations. So that's what staffs ma ma mainly these, uh, these uh, meatpacking plants are temporary foreign workers uh, from Mexico. Yeah. So it's not as if the TFWs are being paid a slave wage. Cargill pays its staff competitively. The issue is how the, the TFW live, that's uh, temporary foreign workers live while they're in Canada. Uh, even after officials demanded social distancing, workers would still couldn't come to work in the cramped cars, carpooling from the south end of Calgary, and their living conditions are also close quarters. And they send the money back home. So um, there you go.
yeah, so Trudeau says set up a special program for temporary foreign workers. The link is here too. Letting them come to Canada even after the borders were recently closed. <laughs> They're essential workers. Eh? There you go. They could pay good money. Uh, but, and they could, yeah, Canadians would get it if they, if they advertise them, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's a lot going on, folks. They never figure out. It's just, just something else. This article here, too, is this next one is from uh, the Washington Times. And it says here, Coronavirus hype is the biggest political hoax in history. The response to the coronavirus is hyped, and in time this hype will be revealed as politically hoaxed. In fact, COVID-19 will go down as one of the political world's biggest, most shamefully overblown, overhyped, overly and irrationally inflated and outright deceptively flawed responses to a health matter in American history, one that was carried largely on the lips of medical professionals who have no business running a national economy or government. And that's true, that part is true, eh? Uh, what's changed, eh? This is in the word of Dan Erickson or Artin uh, Massey, doctors and co-owners of Accelerated Urgent Care in Bakersfield, California. Let's get the country re- reopened. And now, these are the guys that were, were hauled off YouTube. Lots of other folk too are getting hauled off now as we speak by our by the different military organizations and the, all the little sellout pieces of you-know-what uh, that are destroying the internet under the guise of keeping us safe again. This is the data to keep America closed and Americans closed and simply doesn't exist. If truth be told, it's questionable it ever did. And uh, the scientists leading the coronavirus shutdown charge predicted in March that in America between 100,000 and a quarter million would die. They based these estimates on computer modeling, not in reality, just like the, the climate modeling, same thing. Eh? And so far, it's about 60,000, I think, died in the U.S., which is actually lower. And because it's an organization, an official organization, that takes annual deaths of different countries, and we're actually lower than it were about a year, two years ago. We were lost by 85,000 to a flu. But facts don't matter when there's a huge agenda at work. Oh, we understand that. And these folk at the top are ruthless. They're completely on board with this. They're, they're enjoying this power. And they're getting incredible money for, for enjoying their power. And they're not going to give this up easily at all. Not at all. Mm-mm-mm. And to change the whole world since the climate scam just didn't pan out. And folk weren't listening to them at WF. They said that we need something else to happen. Well, bingo, the same WF has got a whole new way of living. And all the big corporations are on board with it, and all these institutions, these private organizations that are grafted onto governments, are on board with it too. This article here too is the Department of Health and Human Services Office of the Secretary. It's, uh, the Secretary is issuing the declaration pursuant to Section 319F3 of the Public Health Service Act, yada, yada, U.S., to provide liability immunity for activities related to medical countermeasures against COVID. Again, this I think they went back to Ronald Reagan when they first put, gave vaccine companies immunity uh, against uh, killing the folk with their vaccines or, or maiming them because of the incredible thing that happened in the 70s when they came out with the fake swine flu and started inoculating and vaccinating people. 
and uh, all thousands got paralysis of different kinds from it too. Never, never recovered. Nagrillin Bar syndrome came out too, uh, with deep uh, pains in the muscles and the, uh, attached to this little tissue and so on and tendons for life, you know. So they so they pass a law. They got the government because they're fascists, you see, and your government's fascist. They do what they're told. And they're selected to be fascists. You, you don't really vote them. You're, you're given A, B, C, D, E fascists to, to, to vote for. I don't care what party they pretend they belong to. They all serve the same masters. It's all evident, for goodness sake. And then they, 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 when you get poisoned with their vaccines, or you die with it, then uh, they're immune to it. You can't sue them, you see. Nobody else has this kind of power, you see. Uh, but, uh, yeah, 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 so much for the public. We the people. We the people. <laughs> So there you go. This is the the declarations effective as February fourth, twenty twenty. That's when, of course, they said they were going to throw all the money and they did it. All the vaccine companies just get some out there. And something that folk have forgotten, and I, I listen to and I go through all the boring stuff with a fine tooth comb that most folk don't go through. But I, I don't. And I don't believe in the part. They're all fronts. I don't care who they are. They may get a little leeway one way or another in certain areas, but they, they must obey their master at the top. And you, you saw people, oh, Trump, 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 because he said a few things. That folk, because folk were so ticked off with the previous parties. They were so corrupt and obviously corrupt. And the same wars went on and on and on and on. And that's what Jefferson said. Know you're under tyranny when, when you see the same agendas continue uh, when the parties change in the House. He says, and that's been going on for your whole life long. The same wars, continuations. I remember when Obama took over from the Bushes, and then Donald Rumsfeld, the, the PNAC member too, along with Cheney and the rest of them, congratulated Obama for continuing and, and expanding the same wars. And then it continues again. They try to get going really under Trump, and Trump has got other. Uh, they try to save about a face because the public were, were pretty well woken to what was going on with uh, the, the real intention of these wars. It wasn't just to, to grab oil, and it wasn't just a, as an other thing that, which we daren't speak about, but the fact is before we getting ticked off with it, when your, your GDP, a lot of it, was, was going towards this continuing war in the Middle East and across Afghanistan and different places. And as you go down in the tubes financially at home, everything was, was stagnant. And in a, in a service economy, now that they've given all the trade to China and all the business, all the manufacturing in China, they knew you would, would get to the stagnant stage. But when they first came up with the GATT Treaty for China and signed them on, and we gave them, we, we, we paid for factories to get moved to China and set up. And we pay to import the stuff from China because you, do you really think that little thing you just ordered from China uh, literally, it, it was a 25 cents postage all the way to you. No, you pay it by our taxes in America, same in Canada. That's part of the free trade deal for emerging countries, they call it. Same in India now. But yeah, I read this stuff. I remember Donald Trump and um, I says, yeah, he'll get in because obviously the folks are so fed up. Not that you'd ever believe he'd do any of it, but fed up with, with the ongoing wars and so on. And uh, I listen to his speeches, and he, his speeches are all much the same of who he favours and who he doesn't favour. But the very first first one, when he was running, uh, before he got in, he said, and he says, I'll put forward bills, he says, 
so that pharmacological companies and vaccine companies, he said, can, can rush ahead and bypass many of the testing procedures to get medicines quicker to the public, to help the public. And it, well, it's almost... You, you really, no, he didn't write this stuff himself. He don't write their scripts, folks. But we know who his scriptwriter is, who is well-informed indeed. They, I'm sure they always knew where they were going to go with all of this stuff. Huh? And they can just bypass the, the, the human testing and, and you know... Yada, yada, yada. It's, it's just, I don't believe in coincidences, especially when you keep tripping over them every step you take. You have to start asking questions then, don't you? So here you go with, uh, with the Act, as I say. So the Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act authorizes the Secretary of Health and Human Services, the Secretary, to issue a declaration to provide liability immunity to certain individuals and entities, covered persons. Very important covered persons because you're really a nobody unless you're a person, you see. This is against any claim of loss caused by arising out of, relating to, or resulting from the manufacture, distribution, administration, or use of medical countermeasures, uh, covered countermeasures, except for claims involving willful misconduct as defined in the PrEP Act. This declaration is subject to amendment as circumstances warrant. The PrEP Act was enacted on December the 30th, as far back, 2005, as Public Law 109-148, Division C, blah, blah, So that amended the Public Health Service PHS Act, which went back many years before that. So they keep amending it to give themselves more immunity from any... Because the, the government, the, the, the US government had to dish out millions and millions after paralyzing so many folk after the first swine flu one. In the 1970s. Uh, terrible. Delaying herd immunity is costing lives, it says here. This, this is from uh, Spiked, the Spiked website, which is an authorized website. This is climate scientists are frustrated by people who do not believe in climate change and epidemiology. Our frustration is with anti vaxxers. Most anti vaxxers. Again, that's a stigmatization. Eh? Are highly educated, but still argue against vaccination. And continue with, with Spiked magazine here. This local magazine, I don't know what they call it, no. But it's a, it's a, a news site, basically. And the science, etc. But they say here, uh, here here's, 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 here's where they go with it. Eh? That they're fed up with people. We're not getting herd immunity, you see. So maybe they should let the, the younger folk out to, get, to acquire it. But this is what they're all saying at the top now. But uh, since older folk have a, a harder time with this, if they catch it, uh, it says, well, maybe they should uh, keep the older folk from their 50 years old and uh, inside, keep them locked down. Really? You know, even the term is locked down. That's what you use in prisons, eh? You understand this? You understand this? When even the statistics from the, the again the professionals, their own ones that they're trying to fudge here and there and all the rest of it and pad with every kind of illness there is, or a symptom there is, which again is not conspiracy theory. It's been found that they're doing it. They admit it. Even Dr. Burks have made that. So they're padding it all, and, and now they want to start lock, go, going for the older folk. You know. 
the, the stigmatized group is older folk, you see. Oh, my God, he's an old person there with a bell around their neck and a bracelet on their arms. Oh, my God, you know. Uh, get away, beware, beware, make way, make room. Ooh, ooh. There you go. By your new masters who have no, no concept at all of this term called democracy and freedom. Yeah, they want to lock down older folk longer. Another one, two Dr. Fauci-backed controversial Wuhan labs with millions of U.S. dollars for risky coronavirus research. It says here, that's in Newsweek, which still isn't a conspiracy site, I don't think. So I'm allowed to say this. So he's an advisor to President Donald Trump and something of an American folk hero. I, don't, I wouldn't say that. I know way more about him. But calm leadership during the pandemic crisis. At least one poll shows that Americans trust Fauci. They don't know him. Do you know him? Of course you don't know him. How can you trust the man? And uh, by the way, do you know he also merged uh, his NIAI, the National Institute for Allergy and Infectious Diseases, uh, they're in bed with uh, one of the bioweapons labs, Fort Dietrich. I got the article here, I went back years, and, and uh, I was just reading through, as I do, all this trivia and, and boring stuff. And... Uh, there's an article from Dietrich, the area, and, and mentioning that, that uh, they had a ceremony there because they were merging the two things together to an extent to work on certain projects. Uh, quite an interesting little, little tidbit, but I'm not surprised at all. Personally, I, this is my opinion, right? This is my opinion. You, you understand, when you're dealing... Biowarfare is an old, old concept, an old institution of military, going back to even Roman times, where they used to put dead bodies over the walls, but using the, the big catapults. And it, it progressed from there. With the scientific age, as they call it, and, uh, they, they got better at it, and, and then they decided the more they learned, the more they could make better things to kill folk. Uh, and that's what it is. And then they had the, the Bioweapons Treaty. Bio, yeah, it's Bio-Warfare Weapons Treaty. And uh, you know that Mr. Boyle was involved in drafting that up to try to stop them uh, or restrict them from going ahead with it. And they all signed on to it, but they continued anyway by this time. But we're not, we're not making diseases. We're actually making diseases in case they developed them by themselves. So we're ready for them. So they... Through their gain of function, it's the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. Uh, these bio, bio, these bio labs, <laughs> bio, they're bio health labs, right? They, they take things that are fairly harmless, and then, well, one day this could just just um, evolve by itself and then jump to humans. So we'll, we'll make it happen in the laboratory, and that way we'll understand it better when it does the jump. Well, it probably would never do the jump, you see. And for years and years, we've had things jumping. Uh, and they tell us it just happened by itself. It doesn't happen just like that by itself. Not too, We've had so many in the last oh, 20 years, especially maybe 30 years. Uh, and we know that they've been heavily involved with uh, the gain of function produced by laboratories. Just in case, you see, we're ahead of the game. And we're ready to, to work with it. Now they'll understand it. But well, how come they don't have the cures for it? Well, they do. Because in biowarfare, it's the same thing with the gain of function. They're supposed to have antidotes to every step of, of change. 
anything that they change for every step they must have something to counter it, folks. Just thought I'd mention that, you know. So anyway, um Last year, the National Institute for Allergies and Infectious Diseases, organized led by Fauci-funded scientists at the Wuhan Institute of Virology and other institutions for work of gain-of-function research on bat coronaviruses. I, I put up the articles last week, too, and the week before, and the week before, about that, because I put the, the links up, remember, at cutting3mutries.com. Uh, so uh, a lot of their sites don't even have the room to put up the stuff I'm putting up. They, they use my stuff, you know, that's okay. But... Uh, if you want to have the actual links, you should go into my talks because they're all listed there with all the links on it. They can verify what I'm saying. I don't make the stuff up. I don't guess at things either. You don't really have to guess at things anymore. It's really in your face. It's rather overwhelming. It's self-evident and admitted to. But it's all for your own good. And... So it says here in 2019, when the backing of the NIAID, National Institute of Health, committed 3.7 million. That's where they admitted it's over 7, I think 7.4 million was the total that they gave to that. to their, And their own scientists go back and forth as well, by the way. It's, you know, it's a, a, go, a merry-go-round with the, the workers that are affiliated with the WHO, the WHO. And they're, they're awfully good at making things that are terribly disease-causing. You know, like, and I mentioned that one too, the, the talk by Dr. Lipsitch, Dr. Lipsitch, who, uh, a Harvard uh, specialist in that area, who gives instructions and he trains students uh, in the area of biochemistry, etc. And it, in one of the talks, I put up to the link to YouTube, I don't know if it's been pulled yet or not, where he's instructing students in a class. And the title was something like... Um, should we be making uh, potentially uh, deadly pandemic-causing diseases uh, in in the lab? That was the title of it. This is what they do, folks. They're not finding them in nature, you see. Whatever they find in nature, they intensify, and, and then it gives each other as a rewards. Look what I did. I made this jump from this to this and this, and now can jump to humans. If I ever did, my God, at least we're ready for it now. Uh, and, and they pretend, come on, this is bio-warfare. That's the only reason it has. And that, uh, that boy always quite right about that. That's the only reason it has. They have, absolutely. Here we are, here now, another one. All research at Fort Detrick, a laboratory that handles high-level disease-causing materials such as Ebola, is on hold indefinitely after the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention found the organization failed to meet biosafety standards. And no infectious pathogens or disease-causing materials have been found outside authorized areas. Well, that's what they're saying. That's what they tell the public. Anyway. Uh, the U.S. Army Medical Research Institute of Infectious Diseases. And so the CDC inspected the military research institute in June of last year. And inspectors found several areas of concern standard operating procedures which are in place to protect workers in biosafety level 3 and 4 laboratories. Spokesman... Carrie van der Linden confirmed she's specially trained to be a spokesperson because that's what they are. They're, they don't give you propaganda. They give you, uh, there's the spokespeople they're trained to put it across better, you know. What to say, what not to say. CDC sent a, a cease and desist order in July after the USAMRIID received the order from the CDC 
It's registration of the Federal Select Agency Program, which oversees disease-causing material use and possession, was suspended. By the way, they've also got all the stuff in Port Detrick. I've got the old articles from years ago where... When they when they found the, the the and got and re resuscitated you might say revived viruses from the nineteen eighteen flu pandemic by the finding in lung tissue of frozen corpses and 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 the frozen permafrost up in the north in Alaska and Canada too I think too in the Inuit area. I did the articles on that years ago when I said, what's this guy digging them up for? And they took parts of them to Fort Detrick and other places too, and they managed to revive these things. To make them. So here you have the, the, the killer disease they've revived. And then, a few years later, I read an article on the air, at the radio at the time, and they'd managed to make it even more virulent and deadly than the previous one. I've never, in case it ever came back by itself and, and, and did the jump, you see, did, you know, this is the same rubbish, eh? Ah, and, t- and here they are worried about the people speaking. Ah, dear, 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 dear. We're all terrified of what they're up to. Here's an article too. Old 60 Minutes Expose on 1976 Swine Flu Propaganda Debilitating Vaccines. CBS is 60 Minutes Documented Swine Flu. And it says it went on air only once and was never shown again. That's true. And it says, uh, the full transcript, I've got it here too, of the 79 broadcast from the investigative news program, 60 Minutes. Only one person was killed by the actual flu. That's a soldier that dropped when he was getting marched into the ground and, and jogged into the ground and when he'd already had two, two days without sleep and so on, he was sick. And that's what killed him. Well, hundreds of uh, filed claims of death of their loved ones from the massive vaccine campaign which was mounted. The swine flu epidemic of 1976 inspired the vaccination of 40 million people. A little-known fact was that the vaccinations caused devastating side effects to over 4,000 victims. The frightening revelations about this event are the similarities with today. Mike Wallace, the seasonal flu is upon us, is what he said. Which type will we worry about this year and what kind of shots will be told to take? Remember the swine flu scare of 1976? That was the year the U.S. government told us that all swine flu could turn out to be a killer that could spread across the nation, and Washington decided that every man and woman and child in the nation should get a shot to prevent a nationwide outbreak, a pandemic. Well, 46 million of us obediently took the shot, and now 4,000 Americans are claiming damages from Uncle Sam amounting to $3.5 billion because of what happened when they took that shot. By far the greatest number of the claims, two-thirds of them are for neurological damage or even death allegedly triggered by the flu shot. But it's a lot more than uh, 4,000, by the way. That's what the government would, would accept. But you probably had a, close to <laughs> about a million folk with all kinds of odd side effects that come out later in life and so on. And President General Ford says this virus was the cause of a pandemic in 1918 and 1919 that resulted in half a million deaths in the U.S. as well as 20 million deaths around the world. Wallace says this, uh, is it folk who were on the show, right? So Wallace says... Um, Thus, the U.S. government's publicity machine was cranked into action to urge all America to protect itself against the swine flu menace. That sounds familiar, huh? 
except from TV commercial urging everyone to get a swine flu shot. One of those who did roll up the sleeve was Judy Roberts. She was perfectly healthy and active woman. When November of 1976 she took her shot, two weeks later she says she began to feel a numbness starting up her legs. Judy Roberts says, and I joked about it at the time, saying I'll be numb unto the knees by Friday if this keeps up. By the following week, I was totally paralyzed. I've, I've actually seen that uh, that show somewhere. I, I might even have an access to it. Wallace, so completely paralyzed in the fact that, they, this is what he says, Wallace, so completely paralyzed in the fact that they had to operate on her to enable her to breathe. And for six months, Judy Roberts was a quadriplegic. The diagnosis, a neurological disorder called Guillain-Barre syndrome, GBS for short, these neurological diseases are little understood. They affect people in different ways. As you can see in these home movies taken by a friend, Judy Roberts' paralysis can find her mostly to a wheelchair for over a year. But this disease can even kill. Indeed, there are 300 claims now pending from the families of GBS victims who died and allegedly as a result of the swine flu shot. And other GBS victims, the crippling effects diminish and all but disappear. But for Judy Roberts, progress back to good health has been painful and partial. And it goes on and on and on. And then Roberts talks again, and she's just about what happened to her, her symptoms and all that. So she can't blow out birthday candles, can't whistle. Uh, she can't drink through a straw on the right side of the face and so on. And weakness of the hands is pretty common, actually, when you get that in the numbness. I remember Dr. Um, Stanley Monteith had, had a part of that, too. From a shot that he got was given, and his arm was, was totally died. Part of his arms were totally numb, and that's fairly common as well. And Wallace goes, continues, he says, Where did this so called deadly variety of flu, where did it first hit back in 1976? It began right here at Fort Dix in New Jersey. It's interesting, too, it was uh, in this U.S. military uh, camp that, it, that the swine, that, that the first. Uh, 1918 flu broke out as well, or 1917 flu, I think it was really. It broke out then too, there, supposedly. Anyway, this one, Fort Dix in New Jersey, a number of recruits began to complain of respiratory ailments, something like the common cold. An army doctor here sent samples of their throat cultures in New Jersey Public Health Lab. They found her just what kind of bug was going around. One of the samples is from a private Davis, David Lewis, who had left his sick bed to go on a forced march. And that was what it was. He was already sick, and they made him go up and march and, and jog. Private Lewis collapsed on the march, and his sergeant had revived him mouth to mouth. But the sergeant showed no signs of illness. A few days later, Private Lewis died. And then Roberts goes on, if this disease is so potentially fatal and it's going to kill a young, healthy man, a middle-aged school teacher doesn't have a, a prayer. Wallace is in New, in New Jersey. Lab identified most of the soldiers' throat cultures as a normal kind of flu virus going around that year, but they could not make out what kind of virus was in the culture from the dead soldier and from four others who were sick. So they sent them to Federal Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, Georgia, for further study. A few days later, they got the verdict, and they said swine flu. But that much-publicized outbreak of swine flu at Fort Dix involved only Private Lewis, who died, and those for their soldiers recovered completely without the swine flu shot. So there you go. This has all been done before, but this is a big agenda. And facts don't matter, you know, because I see that they've sworn to ram this through because they couldn't get this all to go into austerity, totally austerity, with the climate uh, thing. And oh, you're all going to fright you death after the before. We're all going to freeze to death in icebergs. Uh, and so this is the way to to bring the whole agenda through right now.
And our article too is called The Swine Flu Fiasco And that was broadcast the 21st of February 1983 And this one here is from the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation And Canada, that's a government uh, station, right? The Swine Flu Fiasco, they say that So if I get banned, remember it's the CBC government part that got me banned Because they, they said it first, so ban them too February 21st, 1983. In February 1976, and he goes through the same thing. Soldier died Fort Dixon in New Jersey after coming down with a severe case of influenza. Yada, yada, yada. And it says, The CBC television clip looks like the ill-fated initiative, which was blamed for casting suspicion on vaccination efforts for an entire generation. That's true. And it says, So they were through it again. It was signed into law by President Ford. Uh, the first universal vaccination program in American history that you had to take. So he said the multi-million cost was needed to avoid a return of the virus, which he claimed had caused the 1918 pandemic different one altogether. Facts don't matter even then, you see, when it comes to terrifying the public. Eh? So this is pretty well uh, a, a similar rundown of what I just read before from the transcript. The same thing you're getting to. The story, along with many others at the time, reported as many as 500 cases of swine flu could be at Fort Dix and warned of a second, more deadly wave in the fall. Most of them just had the flu. Really. Canada unveiled universal vaccinations in late October that year with the goal of vaccinating 9 million Canadians and total 50 million people received flu shots across North America. In December, investigators with the U.S. Centers of Disease Control confirmed that a higher-than-average number of vaccinated people had developed a rare form of paralysis called Guillain-Barre syndrome. Different ways of pronouncing it. But uh, for, for years, they kept telling, oh, that's all in your head. That, you know, did, take, take these tranquilizers. You're probably neurotic, you know, yada, yada, yada. But with the syndrome, as far as I can see, it can be passed on to offspring. That's what I found out too with other people and other studies. So yeah, the rapid onset is often weakness, paralysis of legs, arms and breathing, muscles and face. GPS is thought to affect one or two people in 100,000. There's a lot more than that actually, because a lot of it don't, doesn't show until later. Other folks get, get over an initial attack, but as they get older, symptoms can reoccur and get worse. It says, thus combined with the lack of an outbreak of the swine flu, it sparked widespread criticism because the, the, the flu wasn't there. To learn more about the public reaction, if you ask, go to our additional clip called Gambling with the Public's Health. In the wake, well, they're, they're all for us gambling now, I suppose. Eh? In the wake of the scandal, director of the CDC in Atlanta, assistant secretary of the U.S. Department of Health were fired. Oh, big deal. Those who came down with Glenn-Barr syndrome as a result of the shorts fired. Uh, a record $3.5 billion U.S. class action suit against the U.S. government in 1978. Uh, I tell you, you, you have to be awfully, you should really think, for it. it's up to yourself what you're going to do, but uh, but no, I, I've had bad reactions myself from things years ago and that I did never recovered. Swine flu, a panic stroke, an order to posture and spend, it says here. And this was, this is back, this was, this was the last big push to try it again, 2009, it didn't work for them, right? And uh, this article here is from The Guardian, again, an official, run, so don't, don't claim about me saying something. Swine flu, this is 2009, a panic stoked in order to posture and spend. 
have gone demented. Two Britons are or were not very ill from flu. This could really explode, uh, intones a reporter from BBC News. London warned, it's here, cries the Evening Standard. Fear is said to be spreading uh, like a Mexican wave. It could affect three quarters of a million Britons. It could cost three trillion dollars. The danger, according to the radio, is that workers who are not ill will be worried, perhaps by the reporter, and fail to turn up at power stations and hospitals. This is 2009. Hmm? The Guardian. Appropriately panicked on Monday, ministers, this is politicians, plunged into their Cobra bunker beneath White Hall to prepare for the worst. Had Tony Blair been about, they would have worn germ warfare suits. British government is barking mad. What is swine flu? It is flu, a mutation of the H1N1 virus of the sort that often occurs. It's not a pandemic, despite the media prefix, not yet. The BBC calls it a potentially terrible virus, but any viral infection is potentially terrible. Flu makes you feel ill, you should take medicine and rest. You will get well again unless you're very unlucky or have some complicating condition. It's the same thing with normal flu. If you've if you already got conditions that are going to make it worse, especially avoid close contact with other people as applies to a common cold. In Mexico, 2,000 people have been diagnosed as suffering swine flu. Some 150 of them had died. That's a big fiasco, too, you see. Uh, when it really got down to it, very few had died of the actual thing. It says, although there has been no pathological indication that all of these deaths have been linked to the new flu strain. <laughs> but initially, they said that they were, you see. People die all the time from catching flu, especially if not medicated. Nobody anywhere else in the world has died from this infection, and only a handful have the new strain confirmed, most in America, and almost all after returning from Mexico. A couple from Airdrie, who caught the flu on holiday in, in Cancun, are getting better. That, that tends to happen to people who get the flu, however much it may disappoint editors. And they go on and on about it. How the WHO jumped on board, always eager to push itself to the spotlight, loves to talk of the world being ready for a flu pandemic, apparently on the grounds that none has occurred for some time. There's no obvious justification for scaremongering. I suppose the world is ready for another atomic explosion or maybe another 9-11. So this goes through the, 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 the earlier article there from the 2009 one, right? The flu. And then you get this one. And that was about the same uh, time too, I think this one came from probably, yeah, 2009. A nurse, this is this again uh, is from the Windsor Star, Windsor, Ontario, the official newspaper there, you see. Not a conspiracy paper at all. Uh, it says, vaccinate Canadians under 40 and natives first, say the experts. This is from the white, we just read there about the, the non-existent pandemic of 2009. It was hyped up into, it was all in their heads, you know, and the, and the papers did their bit for it. So vaccinate Canadians under 40 and natives first, say the experts, right? A nurse injects an experimental flu vaccine into the arm of a volunteer during a clinical trial. A warning to pharmaceutical companies is being drafted to ensure that quality is maintained in clinical trials in lower income countries. And this is 5 to 40-year-olds in Canada's Aboriginal communities should be the first to get vaccinated against human swine flu. Experts say as Canadian officials decide who gets priority for the flu shots. But the vaccine will become available in batches, meaning the entire population can't be vaccinated at once. Mm. It's amazing how they all get the same handouts from the same source and they just put them in their papers there. Eh? 
And it says here, uh, unlike normal seasonal flu, the H1N1 virus appears to be disproportionately infecting older children and young adults. So far, the largest number of confirmed cases have occurred in people between the ages of 5 and 24. It doesn't mean they're all getting sick and need to be hospitalized, but they're getting significant illness, says Dr. Noni MacDonald, a leader in pediatric infectious diseases and a professor of pediatrics in Dalhousie University in Halifax. But adults older than 64 don't appear to be at increased risk of H1N1. It's quite, it's quite amazing how that, but this was a, a dud too, you know, they, they called it a complete hoax after all this incredible spending and so on. Yada, yada, yada. It really is quite something, you know. There's another article too here. This is uh, January the 14th, 2004. And, uh, and it's official. It's from SIDRAP, you know, that's the big organization that deals with vaccinations, the, the official one. The Center for Disease Control to mix avian and human flu viruses in pandemic study, it says. January 14, 2004. One of the worst fears of infectious disease experts is that H5N1 avian influenza virus now circulating in parts of Asia will combine with a human-adapted flu virus to create a deadly new flu virus that could spread around the world. Well, they keep doing gain of function, I'm sure it will. It says that could happen, scientists predict, if someone who is already infected with an ordinary flu virus contracts the avian virus at the same time. The avian virus has already caused at least 40 confirmed human illnesses caused in Asia which 35 have been fatal. The virus has shown little ability to spread from person to person, but the fear is that hybrid can combine the killing power of the avian virus with the transmissibility of human flu viruses. Now, rather than waiting to see if nature spawns such a hybrid, U.S. scientists are planning to try to breed one themselves in the name of preparedness, you understand, you see. So there you go, let's make it a killer disease, eh? The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention will soon launch experiments designed to combine the H5N1 virus and human flu viruses and then see how resulting hybrids affect animals. The goal is to assess the chance that such a reassortant virus will emerge and how dangerous it might be. So they make it go into animals that it wasn't in before, you see. And then they'll try to see if it'll jump from the animal to human, so they'll actually make it happen. Uh, some of the scientists before got credits in their own scientific halls of fame for, for, for making one of them jump into ferrets, well, ferrets, when it wouldn't have done it in nature, and into humans, you see. You, you can't believe it. This is what's on our, when you're all watching your TV and your happy family stuff and, and your soaps and, and, and your Fifty Shades of Whippings and Bondage, uh, this is stuff that's going all around you with these organizations, planning a new future, a new society, a new way of living, yada, yada. Depopulation meetings happening about 10 times a year by big organizations and, and austerity programs to make you eat less and, and stuff to eat. How can we sterilize the public even more without them knowing? In, in a humane way, you understand, like H.G. Wells said himself in a modern utopia. But, you know, here you go. It's, it's all here, eh? Let's make it happen. And then a lot of these animals in China, it broke out before. I've got the old article. Some of the tested animals were getting sold off for meat quietly by some unscrupulous people. That's happened before too, folks. And they also make different vaccines in the eggs, eh? Huh? You know that too, don't you? And they're good to say, what's the price of a dozen eggs in some places? Eh? Even today, you can hardly get a hold of anything.
because our master is bringing total austerity down. And if one foul swoop, isn't it? Like Carl quickly said, you can get more done in five years of war and social planning and agendas than you can in, in 50 years of propaganda and indoctrination. When the folk are terrified. But there you go. Here we are. CDC to mix avian and human flu viruses in a pandemic study. There you go. Isn't that wonderful? Aren't you clever? And I'll get little awards for that. Look how clever this person was. You know. Homeless people die after bird flu vaccine trial in Poland. That's who they used in Poland back in 2008. So three Polish doctors and six nurses facing criminal prosecution after a number of the homeless died uh, during trials for the vaccine to the H5N1 bird flu virus. That was no problem at all. The medical staff from the northern town of Grudzuts, I'm murdering this one, Grudzides, are being investigated over medical trials in as many as 350 homeless and poor last year, which prosecutors say involved an untried vaccine to the highly contagious virus. Authorities claim that the alleged victims received one to two pounds. It's like, what, two, three bucks? To be tested with what they thought was a conventional flu vaccine, but according to investigators, was actually an anti-bird flu drug. Mm-mm-mm. So the authorities of the homeless center uh, told the Polish newspaper that last year that 21 people from the center died, a figure well above the average of about eight. <laughs> Although authorities have yet to prove a direct link between the deaths. <laughs> we could have been. Ah. Uh, 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 uh. So it says the interest of, of all the doctors and those who are responsible for this to their punished the minister added, because I'm sure they didn't do it. They, they always let them off with a. I tell you, that's what they do with these things. And uh, remember too, doing the article, it was, it was hard for folk to believe, you know. But uh, at the time, I was on the air too in the radio before it was edged off because there was complaints from higher authorities. But the company is, is, uh, released the contaminated flu virus material from a plant in Austria, right? And this is from Baxter Laboratories that, that do a lot of these vaccines. This is from Canada. And uh, this is the Canadian Free Press, February 2009. And last up be 27th February, is 2009. And so the company released contaminated flu virus material from a plant in Austria confirmed Friday that the experimental product contained live H5N1 avian flu viruses. This is what they had to stick into. It's a live virus by mistake, right? You don't make mistakes like this, folks. These are, these are like fail-safe mechanisms you go through step by step by step. This is intentional. You can't, you can't keep screwing up like that. No, no, not, not about five different fail-safes. This is as an official of the World Health Organization's European operation says the body is closely monitoring the investigation into the events that took place at Baxter International Research Facility in Orth Danau, Austria. At this juncture, we're confident. We're confident in saying public health and occupational risk is minimal at present. What would you expect them to say? Eh? Says the medical officer Roberta Adraghetti, said from Copenhagen, Denmark. But what remains unanswered are the circumstances surrounding the incident in the Baxter facility, North Danau, or Danau. 
The contaminated product, a mix of H3N2 seasonal flu viruses and unlabeled and unlabeled H5N1 viruses, right? was supplied to the Austrian research company, the Austrian firm uh, Via Green Hills Biotechnology, then sent portions of it to subcontractors in the Czech Republic, Slovenia, and Germany. The contamination incident was being investigated by the four European countries came to light when the subcontractor in the Czech Republic inoculated ferrets with the products and they died. Ferrets shouldn't die from exposure to human H3N2 flu viruses. Luckily, somebody did the right test here, eh? They didn't just go along well, it's been all passed by safety inspectors and public health authorities concerned about what has been described as a serious error. <laughs> no, no kidding. On Baxter's part, we assumed the death of the ferrets meant the H5N1 virus in the product was live. But the company Baxter International Inc. has been parsimonious about the amount of information. It was dead mum about it, in fact. It was live, Chris Morbona said in an email. That's the director of Global Bioscience Communications. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> Here's what it says here. It's interesting articles. It says the H5N1 doesn't easily infect people. H3N2 viruses do. If someone exposed to a mixture of the two has been simultaneously infected with both strains, he or she could have served as an incubator for a hybrid virus able to transmit it easily to and among people. That's what I said. They, the previous articles have talked about we're afraid of folk catching two different things at the same time. Well, here they inject it into you and you become a breeder. Huh? You're like a, a fast breeder, a reactor, <laughs> and you shed the viruses. Isn't that amazing? Because it's all, it's all, it's just accidents, you see. Yeah? All these fail safes, just, it, it, it's just a strange how it happened like that, you know. But if they injected any people, that would have happened. That would have happened. There you go. Never been answered that. Illinois-based Baxter's working on a swine flu vaccine. This is after it. This is um, uh, 2009 again. Especially drug maker Baxter National will work with the World Health Organization to develop a vaccine that could stem an outbreak of a deadly swine flu strain in Mexico. That turned out to be bogus too. They dumped all the vaccines they made out mostly. That's another one as well. It's on and on and on, you understand. This, this is repetitive, but this, this one now is the big one. They worked for 10 years to build up to this, and they're all on board. Everybody's on board with it. They had all the media on board before it happened. They said that in their, even in their, their test that they did, that they ran, the, the, the fake test that they did. And uh, it's just never-ending. And then again, swine flu, Baxter seeks swine flu sample to begin work on vaccine 2009. With world health officials worried about a global outbreak, blah, blah, blah. The Deerfield-based Baxter International uh, got itself involved in the action. No wonder it's so lucrative, isn't it? This is uh, confirmed the weekend is working with the World Health Organization, a potential vaccine to curb the early swine flu. But it's a new type that they're trying uh, to, to speed through the testing of it. And they, can, they even give you the, the shares of their, their backs are, went up 2.4% and went up from $1.16 to $49.20 a share trading Monday. It's very lucrative with diseases. It's awfully lucrative. And they get a big one when the government's throwing billions out there, then oh, it's really lucrative. Eh? So they're trying a new type of technology that allows a company to produce vaccines more rapidly, etc., etc. 
And then you another one here. Second class medicine. Germans unhappy with alternative swine flu vaccination for politicians. And this was again 2009 when they're having this big thing. Oh, am I going to get vaccinated for goodness sake? Damage control is the name of the game in Berlin Monday as politicians rush to deny that they're receiving a better and safer swine flu vaccine than ordinary Germans. So they mandated, the politicians mandate the Germans all take the regular stuff that's getting put out for the thing, that, uh, the non-event flu at the time, really. Because folk were coming down with terrible reactions to it. And the, the politicians uh, literally refused it for themselves, although they made everybody else take it. And they would, they would get uh, a better, safer swine flu vaccine for themselves. One might think the arrival in Germany, the first 50 million doses of it, might be the cause for celebration, but with news breaking over the weekend that top government officials Berlin will be injected with an alternative vaccine, one widely seen as safer, a debate about an alleged two-class medical system has erupted. Well, that never changes. It's the same in every country, folks. Every country. And that's from the Spiegel. Over the weekend, reported that Chancellor Angela Merkel, a number of her ministers and other government officials would receive a vaccine manufactured by the pharmaceutical company Baxter, the same vaccine that the German military opted for. It was reported last week, but of course they wouldn't because they were getting the other stuff too. That was a big stink at the time, I remember it was happening. Every country does the same thing. Well, and their article here too. 2009, because it's important. 2009 is the last big push they had. And again, 10 years in the making to get to the next step, 10, 12 years. And they worked on you hard, hard getting you ready for to accept it this time, you see. It says, um, children who had the flu jab are three times more likely to need hospital care. That was then. And this is called, this is vaccine viral interference, often say, which the virologists themselves talk about, um, they can actually make you more prone to, to ending up with a disease or a massive reaction to it if you get the vaccine. Uh, and you actually get the real thing afterwards hitting you. Children have the standard flu jab are three times more likely to end up in hospital. The vaccine is also useless at preventing the disease. New research has discovered. And this article here is from, is from, is from, it's called WDDTY.com. The testimonials, but uh, this article is also an official one. It's got lots of the real banks, the, all the, the, the top uh, studies and links to it. And it says, uh, children with asthma are especially vulnerable after being given the annual flu vaccine, and the TIV, the uh, trivalent inactivated flu vaccine. Children aged from six months to 18 years are recommended to have the vaccine each year. Research from the Mayo Clinic, that's where it came from, in Rochester, made the discovery after studying 263 children who had flu, who had the flu, right, and whether or not they had been vaccinated. They discovered that children who had been vaccinated were three times more likely to need hospital care than those not vaccinated, and the risk was even higher in children who had asthma. It's also clear that the vaccine had not protected the children against the flu, researchers told the conference this week. What it does, it sets them up for the cytokine storm where your immune system just goes woof it throws everything at your lungs really and until your lungs get so congested it can't do the transfer of the gases and uh, you'll suffocate really that's what happens with the cytokine storm it's just massive so uh, I read the one too from the Department of Defense the US military two weeks ago 
and I put the links up there too, where their own in-house health department for the military, U.S. military, had warned a year ago uh, something similar, not to take the vaccine because it was causing uh, the same the same problem. It's got a viral interference from other viruses could reactivate it and cause a cytokine storm against the folk who'd had the vaccination. If they came along with the real thing and actually hit the natural stuff. And, you know, that's how it works, really. This is from official sites. This is not conspiracy stuff. This is from the supposed experts that are telling you to take all this stuff again. And uh, I've got a stack of, it's got a stack of uh, sources here and studies done on it, too by, as I say, the, the sites themselves that uh, other organizations, that including Mayo Clinic in Rochester. 2009, eh? Children who have the flu jab three more times more likely to need the hosp- hospital care. There you go. Another article here, too, is, um, let's see, what one is this from? It's Canadian Press. And it's a new Canadian research backed suggestions that only people given a flu shot for the 2000 and 2009 season seem to be more likely to get infected. This is, this is now the people, not just the children. Eh? And that was 2012. This was published, this article here. So the, the, the people given the flu shot for 2008 to 2009 season seem to be more likely to get infected with the pandemic virus. I can remember that came out and they went into a panic mode in Canada with the Canadian authorities that tell you normally take them and how you're bad and naughty and really awful if you don't. Uh, and they came out panic-stricken because the folk who got the shots were getting it. And it was, again, they were getting that storm, and that's um, not good at all. So new, new Canadian research backs suggestions that only people given the flu shot to them they seem to be more likely to get infected with the pandemic virus. Mm-mm-mm. Other folk who hadn't the shot didn't get it. <laughs> So the new Canadian research back suggestions that only people given a flu shot for it seem to get it. And this is a strange vaccine-related phenomenon spotted at the start of the 2009 flu pandemic may well have been real, a new study suggests. A Canadian researcher noticed in the early weeks of the pandemic that people who got a flu shot for 2008-9 winter seemed to be more likely to get infected with the pandemic virus than people who hadn't received it. Five studies done in several provinces show the same puzzling and unsettling results. But initially, research outside Canada did not, and the effect was dismissed as the Canadian problem. <laughs> you go. There are countries who just ignore it you know, and continue. I'd take that shot, you know, it's just... Um, yep. So news of the unexpected findings broke at a time when countries in North America and parts of Europe were getting ready to start vaccinating their populations against the pandemic virus. They, they didn't lock anybody down, remember, and all of this stuff, eh? But it was the same hype, hype, hype. Some jurisdictions were also trying to figure out whether to offer the seasonal flu vaccine they had purchased, similar to the 2008 and 9 shot, along with the pandemic vaccine. Remember what I just read a few articles ago? That's what they're trying in the lab. Their, their worry was that someone would get something and then get something else along with it and become a breeder as they crossed. Well, here they are talking about giving you the darn two of them here. Two different kinds, eh? Eh, what's wrong with them? What's wrong with these people's logic here? So I'll, I'll say that again, because at this time I'm hard of thinking. And it says, similar to the 2008-2009 shot, along with the pandemic vaccine in case of seasonal flu, viruses continue to circulate. 
So they wanted to give you both types, the 2008 and 2009 shots, right? Uh, 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 along with the pandemic vaccine. Oh, wow. Yeah. Many people in the flu research and public health communities found the whole event unhelpful. Many rejected the findings. Some suggested that there was a problem that might have been with the flu vaccines used in Canada because the problem wasn't seen elsewhere. Uh, elsewhere, it'd be more, more, more authoritative or more authoritarian. They can shut it down quickly. Any, any, they, they're completely intolerant, you understand. Uh, and it's getting worse all the time. The intolerance is rather evident. Eh? Flu shot linked to higher incidence of flu in pandemic years. Another article, same thing uh, about, the, about it too. Uh, Canada once again. Also, medical doctor retracts H1N1 vaccine advice after reading the insert. This is back when they were pushing the last pandemic that really wasn't a pandemic. And it says, doctors retracts H1N1 vaccine advice and stopped <laughs> injecting the folk to take it. Uh-huh. Because, yeah, because they're all the doctors are afraid of getting sued, remember? Even though the, the manufacturers uh, have got immunity, the doctors are st- possibly still afraid to get getting sued eh, for, for causing problems. What's it supposed to be? The, the, with the oath, do no harm. I put up uh, one of Margaret Chan, who was also a World Economic Forum, uh, she, she, she's a member of that, of course, naturally, but she was also um, Director of Health for Hong Kong, and she is herself down as Chinese and Canadian, and she was the head of the uh, thing for, for Canada, the health uh, vaccination thing for Canada for a while. Chinese Canadian, who served as a Director General of the World Health Organization as well, hmm? you know, that left-wing Organization, I, I mean, kind when I say left wing. The whole UN is like that, mind you. Is, but it suits the masters of the world, the ones who really own the world financially. They, it suits them. They'll use all, all types of, of systems for certain periods of time, including the left and the right. And quickly said the same thing. We have all kinds of communists, fascists, dictators, he says, capitalists, communists. We don't mind, he said. So the WHO delegating the People's Republic of China for 2006 to 2000, she was elected by the Executive Board of WHO on 8th November 2006 endorsed in a special meeting of the World Health Assembly the following day. She was previously Director of Health in the Hong Kong government. I tell you. But yep. McDonald's Canada to start using the imported beef amid Canadian supply concern. They're killing all the beef off, as you know, and they're slaughtering the things and just burn them, I think. And uh, so Canada's to start using imported beef amid Canadian supply concerns. And Cargill, that's one of the big ones, has shuttered uh, operations temporarily after a worker died, a worker died from the COVID-19 coronavirus and hundreds of other employees tested positive. M- mind you, uh, in some countries, about half the people are testing positive as having had it, you see, uh, and no symptoms, uh, meaning that they've got immunity afterwards, you see. And we know now that this thing was out there already before November, last November. And uh, believe you me, from the areas that it was spreading uh, and the massive uh, movement of students and so on all over to the universities, uh, a lot of people must have already had it, you know, and didn't know it. And other folk would have such mild symptoms that they wouldn't even stop to worry about it. 
But this is awful when you see what's happening. And as I say, McDonald's is starting to use the imported beef amid Canadian supply. I guess folk must want real meat still, even though they're pushing their chemical burgers for vegan burgers. Let's see what else have we got here. Interesting article. Immunization with SARS coronavirus vaccines. And this again is... So, you know, they're hitting anybody who doesn't come from an authorised source, you see, meaning the ones that they want you to believe in. Any, any other opinion, doesn't matter how true it might be, it's just not allowed when you've got a big agenda on the go. That's what warfare is about, right? And, and, and propaganda is about that. But this one here is immunisation with SARS coronavirus vaccines leads to pulmonary immunopathology on challenge with the SARS virus. It's interesting, eh? Uh, and it says uh, the background and abstract the seven acute respiratory syndrome SARS emerged in China in 2002 and spread to other countries before being brought under control because of a concern for re-emergence or, or, a, or a deliberate release of the SARS coronavirus vaccine development was uh, initiated evaluations of an inactivated whole virus vaccine in ferrets and non-human primates and a virus-like particle vaccine in mice induced protection against infection but challenged animals exhibited an immunopathological type lung disease they're really using (laughs) mushed brains of mice for making this vaccine it's very scientific this is what happened to the people, uh, I guess, too. Because this was also, I know it was another test that were, were, they tried on some people. I read articles recently, too. This SARS 2 COVID 19, right? Uh, and China have released something similar about the effects of some of the drugs they used, antiviral drugs, and some of the other things that they used on the patients here, causing pulmonary problems, and, and including lining of the heart, in fact, you know. So it's it's interesting that, that, that certain things that the meds they can give you might might have the same uh, effect as the actual disease itself in some parts of the linings of because we know the coronavirus itself supposedly we're told is COVID nineteen uh, will also affect can also affect the heart and a lot of people. So uh, again, everything's up in the air and we won't know anything for for about five or ten years down the road. But when things settle, that's when they start to put out some truth. Once, because everything at the moment is to cover uh, their their behinds after causing such incredible chaos and, and and terror and fear, and to push their vaccine agenda, etc., and locking. I mean, destroyed the whole economy. So nations, you're not going to come out of this and go back to any covenant. Even Fauci said the same thing. It's not intended to go back to normal. That's what they caused all this for. They've never locked down healthy nations before. The healthy people, never, ever, ever. This is, this is the whole agenda that they couldn't get rammed down through austerity measures that the United Nations prattled on about for years. And, and uh, of course, the, the big foundations prowled on it, but they're all on board with the same agenda. So I'm saying it's all one group, you see, including the WEF. And, uh, and then again, the, the, all, the, all the groups that they have for austerity and greening and sustainability are all on board with it. And how all you, they're even going to, they're, 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 I think it's wonderful that you're going to go on rationing and so on, yada, 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 yada. 
So anyway, this article here says all vaccines induce serum neutralizing antibodies with increasing dosages under aluminum significantly increasing responses. Significant reductions of SARS-CoV-2 days after challenge was seen for all vaccines in prior lives. SARS-CoV-2 all mice exhibited histopathological changes in lungs two days after challenge, including on all animals vaccinated and so on. It says, this, the, it says that um, the immunopathology was prominent. Osonophil infiltration, that's what you get with the lungs too. You see the osonophils rising big time. Confirmed with special osonophil stains, the pathological change seen in all control groups lacked the osonophil prominence. So osonophils, you'll find, uh, are often after different damages uh, that happen to the lungs. Osonophils will be prominent, and heavy allergies too will come, but also in certain vaccine-related problems, you'll get that happening as well. So there's indicators of different, different things that happen when you do all these different studies. Interesting too, you'll see all the, all the articles talk about uh, SARS-like, SARS-like, or similarities, but it's not exactly the same. It's altered. It doesn't have the same total sequences, too, of the genomes in it, too, and the pairs and all the rest of it. Um, SARS has a few, a couple hundred less, I think, as far as I heard, or read somewhere. So it's been altered naturally, but, but probably the SARS is used as a base, as to do the gain of function, of course, and add things to it. And so much for us being National Health Service heroes, South made hospitals workers in zero-hour contract nightmare. And uh, it says, a whistleblower at South Mead Hospital claims hundreds of his zero-hour contract staff are struggling to get any work. And this is from, I think, it was the Daily Mail, maybe. It's a Bristol Post newspaper, Bristol, England. This is admissions and emergency healthcare assistance says the hospitals cancelled the vast majority of shifts for staff and her role as many nurses after scheduled surgeries were suspended and some wards closed due to the coronavirus. So the wards are closed due to the viruses, but there's so many patients. She told Bristol Live she normally works full time but is now struggling to get one shift a week. Has been told she's not eligible for furlough because of her zero hour contract, though the government's website says any contract is eligible. The worker said, when I rang the staff bank office to ask how we're meant to support ourselves, they told me we could apply for universal credit, which is what they're using everywhere else. You know, So much for us being National Health Service heroes. The people clapping us across the country don't know what's happening. We so, feel so unsupported by the hospitals. I'm constantly worried about how I'm going to get work. It's a nightmare. They're laying off folk all over the place because nothing's happening in the hospitals. And again, too. Theresa Tam, you could track people with braces on their arms during the epidemics and so on. 2010 National Film Board documentary. But as I say, we're not uh, in a democracy. You don't put uh, manacles on people. And they better come out openly and say you're not in a democracy anymore. Maybe it's time they did that, you know. I'm quite serious about that, you know, because this is what you're seeing. It's an authoritarian, technocratic society. That they want it to be more efficient, and you can't have democracy get in the way. It's a club of Rome said that in their their own uh, book years ago on it. That democracy was an outmoded thing. It just gets in the way. It's cumbersome. You can't get things done because of public opinion and public input. People might object and stop big projects from getting done. Just untidy. All these these darn public are a nuisance, you know. And there's too many of them now as well. You see. 
they show you all, all the graphs of the Club of Rome. And they use all the Malthusian techniques to, to convince you that each person is born, you know, consumes X amount, blah, blah, blah. And then they might breed with someone and they, meet, they need X amount as well. And you can't please them, obviously, because since the domestic populations of CU Europe were falling low, uh, down to almost beyond replacement levels, well, we've got to bring in masses of migrants from everywhere because uh, there's not enough of you anymore, you see. You see, you can't please them. You can do all the right things. It's, it's, you understand when logic fails, you're, you're in something else. Some other agenda's on the go, folks. I hope you understand that. The articles, too, that have come out about uh, uh, China and so on. But this one is from from California Political Review, or Capolitical, Capolitical Review. There you go. CCP-linked firm targets communist as we linked from targets U.S. school children with Chinese morality and values, shows CCP military parades in schools. This is in America. The, Ch- the, the, the Chinese Communist Party does not allow a crisis to go to waste, even those they started. Hard to believe, but literally the Communist Party of China is in the classrooms and school boards are allowing it. A broader Chinese language initiative in Utah has led to Chinese Communist Party military parades being shown to children in public schools with teacher Zen Yaman declaring behind the language is a culture. When we learn Chinese, we're also learning Chinese culture, Chinese morality and values. And then they have little little things when they question the children afterwards who just likes the Chinese leaders and they thought they're very pleasant and nice people and so on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not just uh, that they're teaching in different places, including, I think, uh, in Utah as well. And and as companies, China-based companies, are pushing these things to be taught in schools in America. I don't think people in America would complain. I mean, look what else has been taught for an awful long time. It's just astonishing what's getting taught to children these days. Ah, yeah. And the massive inflatable crisis that is COVID-19 and its 21st century wire. By all accounts and from the very beginning, it was clear to some that coronavirus disease 219 was the very most, a little more dangerous than the seasonal flu, but was being deliberately hyped to stampede the public into an increasingly tangled web of bad policies. As early as last month, cooler-headed experts had warned that hyped death rates spread by politicians, the Western corporate media, other various panic mongers, and even World Health Organization, well, I mean even, they're the first ones, would give way to much, much lower death rates as more people were tested, were found to have had the virus, most of whom showed little or no symptoms. The numbers of infectious versus deaths in Iceland, where no lockdown took place, where, where testing has been the most widespread, shows a death rate of about 0.5%. Though only 5% of the population has been tested, roughly 50% of those tested showed no symptoms at all, meaning that many, many more Icelanders likely had the virus, overcame it with ease without ever visiting a doctor or a hospital to avail themselves of testing or to make international COVID-19 statistics. And don't forget this, that articles last week, too, from official sites and admissions, uh, and even from Burks herself, that, that they're padding all the statistics. If you, uh, with all, anyone with any kind of COVID, anything has been put down, and even presumed has been lumped in eventually with, with confirmed to try to pad. The, and even then, they're so low. And, and that doesn't detract from the fact that folk have died from it, older folk have died, mainly older folk. And personally, I, I think it's very well disgusting the way they're crammed into these homes in the first place, old folks. It happens every year. 
they're really crammed in there. But yeah, a lot of the deaths came from folk with comorbidities, as they call it, high blood pressure, uh, uh, many, many other problems, heart problems and so on, uh, who, who've had strokes before. Many had cancers as well, by the way. And, and lots of them as well were really in um, these hospices, which are they're horrible places in America. And elsewhere too, they're much, much the same. Pretty horrible places. They're, they're dying when they go in anyway, you see, at the hospices. That's what the hospices are for. It's really palliative care until they die. And uh, they're lumping them in within, uh, within them at two. And we've already had the articles put, come out by the senator, who's also a doctor in the U.S., who showed you the, 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 what he was sent by the uh, CDC and, and so on, and telling them to put the different patients, patients down as COVID, even if they don't really, if that's not what killed them. And that's standard. This, this has happened before with the previous pandemics I've been talking about for the last little while here, from previous years. So this article is on, it's on here, Massive Inflatable Crisis. Another study carried by the United States by Stanford University found that the infection rate was likely 50 to 85 times higher than reported, meaning the death rate was astronomically lower. See, before they were only taking folk they tested who came in really ill, and then given you a higher statistic, you see, of the ones who died amongst us, are horrible. But don't forget, most of the folk never come into the hospital and don't even know they've had the symptoms until they're tested. And the more they find out of who've had it, you see, without symptoms, then the ones who die gets lower and lower and lower, statistically speaking. That's how it works, you see. So it's quite something. And the hospitals should be, the hospital, I've said before, the hospitals are meant for the weak and infirm. Uh, to, to, to keep them out, <laughs> they, should, they should be getting in for treatment for all kinds of things, and they can't. How many people are dying because of that? It's absolutely disgusting what's going on. Absolutely horrifically disgusting. And folk can't get surgeries, and they can't, they can't get treatments, and, and life-saving things. To, and folk with heart attacks being told to stay at home, and just lay down on flat, flat on your back and try to stay there and let it, pa- let it pass. Eh? Do you realize this big agenda, the authorities can't back off now. They plan, this was planned. The response was planned, like, like brotherhood, a brotherhood taking an oath to the death. To be completely on board, to stop the economy, to wreck it like never before, all the things that they couldn't ram through with sustainability in any other program that they've managed to do here with one foul swoop. And they can't back off now. And when, when, when they get to that stage, they're very dangerous to society. They're intolerant, and, and they, like authoritarian regimes everywhere, they end up being really, really rather very dangerous, put it that way. Because they, they can't back off now and say they were wrong. Not, not after going, not wrecking the economy. You, you realize if they, if they get anything started again, which they don't want to get, don't forget that they don't want you to get started again with their economy. Or maybe a bit at a time, maybe a little bit, a little bit there. This is planned to take down everything. This is a different system that's emerged from this. That's what they planned. And you can find all that at the World Economic Forum, by the way. All, all, every big corporation on the planet as a member of it, on board with it, with total sustainability. Oh, they can't back off now, though, after going this far with it. It's bad enough in previous times when they did dump millions and millions of doses of vaccine that folk didn't want because of what it was doing. 
the last one. I can remember the nurses not taking it either. And then when they got demanded, in the New York ones, where they demanded that they got the vaccines, uh, the nurses just signed each other on, and the doctors did the same thing. I gave doctor so-and-so this shot, and blah, 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 and just put it in writing, and, but they didn't take it. It was, it was hurting people. It was dangerous to people. And, and they saw the results of it. Aye, aye, aye. So this article's pretty good here on Enwire, uh, uh, it says here, 21st century wire. It says, in other words, in terms of fatalities rates, COVID-19 is no, no more dangerous or deadly than the annual flu. But it's been hyped up as such by Western politicians, the Western corporate media, and even international institutions like the WHO, a deliberate deception accompanied by coordinated theatre including government briefings with reporters comically spaced out in fear of contracting COVID-19. It's all drama and all their fake graphs and stuff, you know. It says here, the same goes for total deaths. Should the media present COVID-19 deaths in the context of and in comparison to annual deaths from the flu, Americans, for example, would see that versus the 2019 flu season, COVID-19 is actually 30,000 to 40,000 deaths short of just matching the common flu. Saying nothing of living up to the hype and hysteria the government and media have deliberately created around COVID-19 to justify its lockdown policies. And that's true. These are the real statistics coming out of who's died. It's way down. And don't forget they've been lumping <laughs> the flu in with it too which they did in 2019 as well. I'll just put them all down as this particular flu. I've got articles here that were printed at the time. So why have the governments around the world crippled their economies, put millions out of work in place, draconian measures in place to, in essence, imprison their populations at home? Those with power and money seek to keep what they have and to take what little is left in the hands of others, during the manufactured war on terror, similar hysteria was deliberately spread across a society justified draconian police powers at home and endless wars abroad, pouring ultimately trillions into the accounts of defense contractors and the financial institutions invested in them. During the manufactured health crisis like the 2009 H1N1 so-called swine flu outbreak, the unfounded fear of an uncontrollable pathogen ravaging the population helped justify the centralizing of control over people's health and lifestyles while pumping billions in public funding into the coffers of big pharmacology groups. Mm-mm. Yep, so that's that one too. And then, um, as I say, <laughs> by the way, they've got all these kind of algorithms that, that take you off in real time if certain words are, are mentioned and terms are used. Part of your defense contractors using all these, these, these cyber warriors, thousands of them and the taxpayer funded to make sure that the big boys at the top and the big corporations that have got billions just dished out in gift money. Uh, your, your gift money, you pay for all. Uh, so they can spy on you and, and really sabotage your free speech and your opinions, which you're certainly entitled to. doesn't matter who agrees or disagrees with them. When you don't have the ability to have all kinds of free opinions and different opinions, you're under totalitarianism. Is that ringing a bell? Is that kind of where we're going and we are maybe here now? And you're going, you're going to go and vote again for this nonsense? Uh, uh, uh. 
in another article too about uh, new paper outlines ways to boost manufacturing supply systems resilience. And look at all the money that even the apps are going to monitor you in. And you're paying for you're paying for the phone. You're paying to use the phone. You're paying for everything, and then they're just hopping on. And they even get it from what's oh, free. You get this free app, you know, that monitors you until eventually it's it's reporting you. You you may be infected. You may be infected. Turning yourself into a police station. Police are on their way. That's what happens in China. The police, the police it calls the police. <laughs> I tell you, and that, that article too I mentioned earlier, but um, about the the documentary outbreak was done, Anatomy of a Plague, a feature-length documentary based on Michael Bliss's 1991 book, Plague: A Story of Smallpox in Montreal, juxtaposes a hypothetical 21st century pandemic with the 1885 smallpox epidemic that claimed over two and a half thousand lives in Montreal, 1885. Then they go on from there, you see, and that's how they go into the to do with bracelets, etc. When you, mm-hmm, yeah, or manacles, yeah, manacles. Put the bell round your neck. Plague, plague, plague. Oh, keep away, leper, leper. And another article here is the seven-step path from pandemic to totalitarianism. It's from Global Research, and he goes through the different steps it's take to make it all happen. And how it's laid out, basically, it's a, it's a practical military-type operation, obviously, step-by-step step to make it all happen. And then you have uh, this one here. The over 50s should be kept in coronavirus lockdown for longer and find if they cannot prove their age when out and about in public, study suggests. I love how they track you things anonymous, eh? That's from the Mail Online, the Daily Mail so all those cyber warfare guys maybe maybe should think before they try to yank folk off their reading it. Keeping the over 50s in isolation longer and requiring people to prove their ages when out and about is the safest way of lockdown, researchers claim. The Warwick, oh, no, no surprise, with Warwick University study found that a rolling age release strategy was the best option to end it. And it says a strategy proposed by researchers is based on the fact that death rates from COVID-19 amongst 50-year-olds are 20 times higher than deaths amongst 20-year-olds. Study authors wrote that the police officers would have to be given the power to find those caught breaking the age rule to ensure it was followed. I guess they'd have to lock up all the 50-year-old cops as well. And extreme examples, and all the generals and the military, for God's sake, you're going to get out of them walking about coughing in all the troops. An extreme example set up by the study officers based on Chinese data, they say releasing over 50s early without a vaccine could see 40,000 extra people die. And if they carry on, by the way, with, with basically gain of function in these labs where pigs, pigs might fly. I'll just add that on. I love how this come out with this utter rubbish statistics. It's just... <laughs> try to convince you just to become a slave, eh? Uh, because you won't go along with some ridiculous strategy, uh, and it, I, when you see folk going through, like like out in British Columbia, um, there are some Chinese women living in old age homes there, and one that was in their nineties, she had it, and, and they pulled her through. But if you listen to the media, you think everybody just gets it over fifties, it kicks the bucket. It's not happening like that. It's not. 
And you've really got to work out these percentages and how they work out their percentages until it sounds, my God, you know, it sounds like, oh, so many thousands of these were going out of credit. No, 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 no. In Australia, you've got them even more authoritarian. It's, it's interesting in Canada, the, the, the old colonies, you see, the, the dominions of, of London, I call it, um, are more authoritarian than maybe even in Britain themselves. I'm not quite sure of that, I'm not quite certain. But they definitely are authoritarian. Anti-vaxxers, stay home. Anti-vaxxers. So now, again, it's labels like anti-Semitic, you're an anti-vaxxer, you see. If you perhaps don't want a particular shot, doesn't mean you're against them all or anything like that. Just anti-vaxxers. They're stigmatizing and targeting a population. This is what they do. So the health minister in Australia issues a warning announcing new flu vaccine program for all primary school children, eh? And uh, so there you go, a new flu vaccine. But anti-vaxxers stay home. Western Australia's health minister has warned anti-vaxxers stay home as the state government expands its influenza vaccination program to include all primary school-aged children ahead of Term 2 commencement from Wednesday. This is just flu. Remember what I mentioned before about certain ones you give in advance? If you get this other one, this, this, this COVID thing come along, you might have the cytokine storm. That's what the other experts are saying. Huh? That's what the Department of Defense and the U.S. military has, has warned about. Hmm? To their own troops. But let's get to, well, so there you go, let's get to the digital. So the state government announces with an investment of an additional $400,000 set aside to offer free, it's not free when it's taxpayers' money, Flu jabs. I, I, I love the tricks they try to play on. Like they're like they're really stupid, eh? To, to free flu jabs to all primary school aged children. McCook said the state also had an Australian first with a drive-through influenza clinic being established for some at-risk community members, which will be established in the Perth metropolitan area from late May. So it's now, so now they're targeting the children. So it's very important to vaccinate them to protect older folk. Uh, older people they come in contact with. So now, this is the idea that young folk can get it and spread it. You know, this is, you see, they'll just flip back from one extreme to the other extreme, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And cause a lot of damage in the way. Obviously, this year, more than any other year, we need to people to make sure that they get their flu jabs to ensure that we don't have the double whammy of COVID-19 and a bad flu season. What has these articles said? They're worried about having two different kinds at the same time and the one person, and it literally, they merged to guarantee a brand new type of disease. Huh? And you're supposed to listen to experts? Who's kidding who? Mm-mm-mm. That's your big authority speaking, folks, you know? Yep. And here you've got a green reboot after the pandemic. In addition to threatening millions of lives in the global economy, the COVID-19 pandemic has demonstrated that human societies are capable of transforming themselves more or less overnight. In fact, there's no better time than now to usher in systemic economic change. And this is the Greenies now in the Club of Rome, you see. So a new society coming in as an opportunity and sustainability. And, and they could, through the, through the dictionary of money, you see, De facto corporations, they can mandate, they, they, they cut back on certain things and, and put all these sustainable projects in, in with their products and selling their products and everyone else. Eh? 
Limits to growth, remember limits to growth? That's what they came out with in the 1972 Club of Rome one. Oh. And, be, and again, they came out with Beyond the Limits, 1992, by the lead early, uh, author of the earlier report, Donella Meadows. I wonder if the Meadows was green grass or whatever, or was it kind of bare and decrepit looking? Anyway, it says, by using the Earth's resources faster than they can be restored, and by releasing wastes and pollutants faster than they can be absorbed, we have long been setting ourselves up for disaster. So they're, they're your big, big ones. They were given the, 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 the agenda, really. How do you get the agenda through? Well, we'll blame humans for causing the death to the planet. That's what they came up with. Humans are the problem. You humans, not them, but you humans. And they're all on board with the, with the, with the World Economic Forum and all the rest of them. They're all on board with the same agenda. The EU Green Deal is part of their projects as well. Embedding environmental goals at the heart of economic and financial decision-making. It's a super year 2020 for nature and the planet releases Biodiversity 2030 strategy, and China will host the, the COP15, it's a conference of parties, 15 for biodiversity in October and sustainability. The UK will host the Climate COP26 in September, and the EU is rolling out its Green Deal and Green uh, Deal Investment Plan. So there you go, you know, with our green banks and stuff. Okay? There you go. And called to action to G20 leaders emerging from the emergency with people, planet, prosperity, PPP, at the heart of the COVID-19 recovery. Isn't that wonderful, eh? We've got an interconnected global challenge. Wow, wow, wow. Build a new global economy that ensures equitable, inclusive, and sustainable future for all. Yadi, 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 They're all on board with it, eh? Emerging New Civilizations Initiative. Isn't that nice, eh? For an emerging new civilization. A new paradigm essentially clarify our role as a species within a greater Earth community. Conversations are needed to agree on core values that promote human dignity, respect for nature, and protection of the commons beyond current generations. Mm. Sounds wonderful. Utopia, really, eh? We're living beings who are inherently relational. Wisdom of ancients tells that I am, that I am because you are. It's different from the Bible, eh? when God says I am. So th- th- here they have the I am because you are. And the African Ubuntu philosophy, you know, they, they write stacks of, uh, you know, philosophy. Uh, or there is no me without we. Wow, <laughs> I wonder how many millions have paid for that little line. Uh, so Buddhist and other indigenous knowledge systems also have similar orientations. Is that a little pun there? The wisdom enabled humanity to evolve into the intelligent species that is today, and we would be remiss not to tap into it. The emergence of the need for a new civilization is a manifestation of a rising consciousness of who we are as humans and what values would best shape our relationships to one another and to nature. I'm sure they're about to tell us what they are. You know, what we are. We're all in it together, eh? <laughs> I tell you. Uh, you know, again, as I say, they never give up because they're paid full time to go on these big think tanks and so on. Eh? That's from the Club of Rome. Eh? Wow, profound that is. Eh? The I am because you are. Eh? Mm. Oh, I have to ponder that for a, all of ten seconds, maybe. And uh, that's the rubbish to come out with there, you know. Is is where they made it quite plain. They just hate people, especially those useless eaters, you know, 
uh, the ones who have no functions anymore, and you just consume them, you know parts of their planet for goodness sake. Yep. And uh, the limits to growth, you can look up yourself too, on Wikipedia and other places. Again, computer simulations of exponential economic and population growth. Again, computer models with a finite supply of resources. And how it's set up in 1972. It's interesting, the WEF and, and uh, the limits to growth for the Club of Rome came out in 1972, 1970s, early 70s. All at the same time, you see. All in preparation for what's happening now. And uh, and they go on about their, their graphs and wonderful stuff, and there's too many people. And, and, and if, if, if the two of you have two children, it's not bad. You know, if the two of you have three children, and that, that could be a problem. And you know, you, know, you, you, meanwhile, you look at the, how many children. It's like Margaret Sanger, she had five of her own, and she won't never be asked to abort theirs. It's always the same stuff you, you, you come across, isn't it? And then you find. Um, the CDC's failed coronavirus tests were tainted with coronavirus, the feds confirm. Federal investigation found the CDC researchers are not following protocol as well. And I'll put this one up to us. Was it Bloomberg, I think, or Getty Bloomberg? This article here. So, uh, you know, as I say, it's all it's all out there, all this kind of information for those who want to, to read it. And then you have... Um, Africa, South Africa, they need this massive, say, donors as three kilometer centurion food queue shocks South Africa. And it says residents of uh, Moiplas and uh, Sprout, informal settlements in Centurion, north of Johannesburg, came out in numbers to collect food hampers Wednesday from a queue three kilometers long. 8,000 food hampers were handed out. It's just a drop in the ocean, said social activist Joseph Ambramji. And the need for food is massive, more than 8% of the community, 80 are foreigners, and they have not received any help from government. We're happy we made a small difference, and so on. Something in different countries, too. And, of course, I had the big a locust thing going across parts of Africa, too, eating up crops. And then they got other uh, problems with the usual West. Well, I, I hate to eat the West. It's, it's not really them. It's, the, it's, the, it's the, these characters within your countries that keep foaming the wars and and disrupt nations that keep them from ever getting to any kind of form of stabilization. When they get stable, you see, they might start demanding money for the people, for the big corporations that come in to take their resources. So you keep them all disruptive, and, and you come in to help them, meaning you supply mercenaries to keep everything tamed, and you can keep the looting going on. So no, nothing's ever really straightforward, I tell you. It's just there's always, there's always money behind things, and, and who wants what, you know, always. I don't care what side and left and right or whatever. I think they all work for the same bosses. The two wings, left, right, and right, are, are, are all attached to the same body. I said that back in the 90s. And I haven't changed my mind there. And farmers are starting to destroy their pigs after factories close. Another article here. And that's in Canada. Euthanizing hogs and stuff. And then uh, another article too. Uh, hog culling next as meat packing plants shutter. Operations stocking food shortages and fears and weeks. It was all intended to happen because you just don't close down societies, especially the healthy population, because unless you want this to happen, which is the inevitable conclusion I have to come to, they've got their they've got their austerity programs worked out here. And then Kroger begins limiting purchase of ground beef and pork, in some stores, 
And uh, U.S. facing Great Depression Year Unemployment Rate, WH Economic Advisor says. That's the World Health Economic Advisor, I guess. And uh, it goes on and on and on. They're getting what they want. Uh, They couldn't get before because you wouldn't just give up eating and, you know, and buying things and, you know, all that stuff. Uh, one article has got a little bit of temporary had up, uh, temporary high. Millions of now unemployed Americans are making more money than they did when working. That will be temporary, folks. And eventually it'll come down to cutting, buying cutbacks and cutbacks until you're on a fraction of that as you go into total austerity. And also, this this article here is from it's from the Irish News here, Irish Sentinel. And it's again from the Helena Handbasket, which is a, a genuine uh, reporter, actually, but with a different name. And uh, so in geopolitics and so on. Useful idiot new normals and anti-tyranny terrorists, this one here, in the Irish news. If there's one thing certain to emerge in the wake of the phased uh, opening of the economic the economies throughout the U.S. is that the minority women think for themselves will become the new ignorant disease spreaders and that's true enough, <laughs> if you think for yourself. <laughs> According to those who have decided that they love their servitude to their big brother and masters, they received their free money stimulus, free in quotation marks, bribe to help them play their bread and circus allocation from their benevolent dictators and have their latest gadgets and toys to entertain them in their self-imposed confinement. I say self-imposed because nobody really forced them to inter themselves in their homes all they had to do en masse was to simply refuse house arrest. Businesses simply had to ignore governors, diktats, and remain open to maintain the economy and livelihoods of their employees. Unfortunately, society complied and simply rolled over and obeyed orders to stay home, stay safe, and stay scared of something they had no knowledge of and no interest in finding out about. I'd add to that, too, that they had no, no real data to go by with. It's all scare tactics, of course, and graphs and horror stories and, and percentages, etc., etc. And you can see that the, the truly sad part, which has been typical of human nature throughout history, is that these ignorant masses, the snitch core, will be the very people who drag us all down with them into this coming hell on earth if we let them, which they cannot fathom and refuse to see on their eyes and even as it rolls over the horizon straight at them. They wave their flags and chant USA, USA, and enthusiastically clap health workers and call them heroes as perform dance routines on YouTube. The irony is that many health workers have been furloughed, been laid off permanently with any of them who, who dare to speak out about the, the farce of the COVID-19 being silenced through censorship of social media, etc. To ensure that ignorant masses remain ignorant in the alcohol and drug-fueled SOMA state, spending cash as if there's an unlimited supply from the benevolent president, they truly have been trumped and yet still sound the trumpets for more of the same stripping of the rights to keep them safe. And it doesn't matter which party it would be in. As I say, Obama was applauded by Rumsfeld and the rest of them, the, the neocons, when they took over, when he took over, for carrying on the same wars and even expanding them. And that's all the time, I guess, that we have for for tonight. So remember, folks, too, you can go to cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Hopefully you can send a few bucks my way. You'll see how to do it there, PayPal and other methods, too. And uh, even cash can get sent. It's fine. 
you find it where you send it to at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. The links are there to my talks. And remember, my talks too, short or long, you can download them first and then play them. It's often better that way. And, um, and as I say, to send a few bucks my way. And hopefully, hopefully, if they get back printing again, I'll be able to get some books done up very quickly and then and then out to the people. Uh, the post office is still kind of semi going. I understand things are getting stuck in the state some places, sometimes for a month or more, because of this chaos that's going on here. So I hope you'll uh, as you keep going into cuttingtomatrix.com and make sure that uh, you take a list of my sites so you can always get me where I'm pulled off other sites or not. You can always get me in my own sites and uh, keep in touch with me too because I like to hear from people and how things are perceived through their own eyes and what, what they're noticing and understanding. From myself, Alan Watt from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your God's school with you. <laughs>